mean, I am now, both like my backup and the actual factor going there. I was making sure that my shit was recording. Because, like, the fucking Windows voice recorder is, like, super bare bones. Like, we're recording, but we're not going to tell you what we're recording or from what source or anything like that. You just have to hope that it's coming from the right place. Yeah, that's why I use professional software for that kind of stuff. I was using a software, but apparently is corrupted by Russian malware, like, fucking everything these days. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. I don't know. Tell me software that's not fucking... Corrupted by Russian malware, I guess. I did, and you yelled at me. <laughs> I, I I need to download. What is Audacity Black or whatever it was? Yeah, it was that and Qubit Torrent was the two things I was yelling at you about Russia for. So, no, it was UTorrent, wasn't? Well, oh, yeah, UTorrent. Ter- like terribly loud stuff with malware now, and has been for a while. You everybody switched to Qubit Torrent. I checked my notes, not my notes, but I asked my sister. She's like, "Yeah, I switched in like 2009 when you told me to," and I was like. Fair enough, so I just never told anybody else to do that, I guess. But, like, <laughs> I got everybody in, like, my circle having switched off uTorrent, is what I'm trying to say. To uTorrent? That's what I'm on? Yeah. No, off I'm uTorrent to QubitTorrent. Oh, okay. uTorrent is bad. QubitTorrent is good. I was using QubitTorrent for a little bit, but I didn't like it, so I went back to UbitTorrent. Yeah, well. MicroTorrent. Have fun with your malware, then. <laughs> you, you just say Qubit Torrent is full of Russian bullshit now? No, I said UTorrent is full of oh, Russian okay. bullshit now. You got, <laughs> uh, Clean the shit out of your ears, Tim. <laughs> clean the right. shit out of your ears. Let's, Listen to me when I speak. Let's get this shit started. Uh, right. Welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is our 266th episode of our weekly podcast where we talk about all things geeky and nerdy from a decidedly not safe work point of view. I am Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week. I'm coming from Toronto, Ontario, and I have with me Mark from St. Catharines. We use the torrents for completely legal reasons. Yes, exactly. Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> that was like, I remember uh, oh, I was in a fight when, back when I lived in the loft with Alicia. Like, I got in a fight with my our internet provider because it was like this tiny one that like only serviced like a few buildings in like midtown Atlanta and they were they were like throttling or packet shaping or something like that and it was like kill my BitTorrent traffic and so I got into a big fucking thing with them and like they had no they had no way of like seeing what I was torrenting or anything like that so I just like made like was like pretending that I was like a software developer or something like that and was like downloading like you know lots of like open source code and shit like that that was distributed by bit over BitTorrent. <laughs> I uh, I've used it as an excuse like because you know, actually they p- people do use it to distribute uh, video and for edits and stuff like that so I've seen it used that way. Yeah, uh, I just you hide behind a VPN for the most part. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. Yeah, That's they, usually they, the best <laughs> practice these days is just hide behind VPN. Don't deal with your uh, internet service provider. Don't let them see what you're doing is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's <laughs> the, the best way to go. The ISP ended up telling me that like I was like download, like my traffic was higher than anybody else in the entire building. I checked my traffic uh, here when I got that gigabit line and I have to be using more bandwidth than like 99% of the people <laughs> in the city here. Yeah. <laughs> like I, it's constant IO on this machine. Like everything's <laughs> updating, just something running, something's yeah. downloading. There's always something going on. Yeah. One of the other, and then it's like I've got the PS5 and the Xbox both. Like they just auto update like games and stuff as they 
feel like getting updates and stuff. Yeah. There's always something downloading in the background and on one of these machines. Anymore, I can't imagine that like we're that much worse than other people just because like there's you know so much streaming traffic now and shit like that, right? That's what I think kind of evens everybody out at this point. Yeah. Even like guys like us who are data hoarders, I guess at best, is probably the fact that yeah, everybody now with Netflix especially, like I mean, everybody was bitching. Remember how much the ISPs were bitching when Netflix first oh, yeah. started? Because yeah. like they were fucking. What do you mean we're gonna have to light up slightly more of this dark cable or dark oh. fucking fiber that we've had, like just sitting in the ground for twenty years? Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, when they when they when, like a lot of that started coming out that like some of the stuff had been late in like the nineties. I was like, what? We could have had fiber <laughs> yeah, exactly. all this fucking time. You <laughs> haven't been fucking using it, you bastards. Oh my god! Yeah, finally, <laughs> and now now I can't get asynchronous lines in this. I don't. And everyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, any uh, us data hoarders now are probably like their fucking dream because, you know, we're not like streaming high definition video every time we want to rewatch a show, right? We've got it all locally rather than like, you know, streaming fucking Daredevil like 800 times from Netflix or something instead. No, I still stream it 800 times from Netflix. Just... <laughs> Sometimes I'm too lazy to like go find the files. You know what I mean? Sometimes they're on a hard drive somewhere and I got to yeah, plug it in I and do I don't want to do that. Like Netflix is right there. Yeah, I've got all these like fucking ancient like discs and stuff that just need to be thrown away that have like one or two Buffy episodes on them each and shit like that that are yeah. that are like 640 resolution, like, you know, completely fucking unwatchable. There is like reason to keep some of that stuff. Like the original DVDs are still in four by three of Buffy. This is just mm-hmm. that show in particular. And the remasters, like the Blu-rays in which you get on Disney Plus, are the sixteen by nine crop. Oh, so they're looks- cropped and they don't have the whole frame. Yeah, so it's been cropped yet, and you're missing the whole frame, and they've done something to the color, so everything's just super blown out. Like, it Mm. looks abysmal, so, I don't know. I don't know if that makes it worth it to keep fucking, like, shitty low-res copies. Like, if if they were, like, 720 copies or something, maybe. Maybe not those copies, like those shitty old ones that you have. Yeah, maybe they'll just pitch those old, like, probably CD-ROMs out or whatever they are. Yeah, a lot of them are CDs. Yeah, those yeah are, I, I don't even know how many of those would even fucking be readable anymore. I recycled a lot of that shit like between moves at this point. So I'm, uh, I'm gradually doing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it with like movies because like some of those movies I'll pull off because there's some movies you just fucking can't find online anymore. Like, yeah. you know, or finding decent quality and shit like that. Anyway, that's enough rambling. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, let's Is start that- out. <laughs> I don't know. I could I could ramble for hours on fucking data hoarding. Oh well, you are an expert. <laughs> Says the guy with the stacks of hard drives. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's get into this week's uh, nerdy news. Starting out, we got a trailer, our first trailer for Spider-Man: No Way Home. After like completely fucking stupid rumors that there wasn't going to be a trailer for it which was just some stupid viral post that somebody made and everybody was like, oh my God, they're not going to put out a trailer for it. Yeah, they are. Well, I mean, we know how stupid people are, right? So like, and then somebody had Sony, uh, Sony of all companies is not going to put out a trailer for their Spider-Man movie. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then, and then there was a whole fucking kerfuffle about it because they showed the trailer at this uh, con that's happening in Las Vegas called CinemaCon which I've never fucking heard about until this year, but I yeah. guess this is the thing now and seems to be well, where like everybody's dropping their big shit instead of at like San Diego Comic-Con or whatever. Well, when there's only three cons running all year, you kind of <laughs> got to pick your spots, I think, at this point. So I, I've never heard of this one either, so it's kind of news to me. But 
I mean, whatever. We got a Spider-Man trailer out of it, and it yeah. was okay. I'm yeah. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So somebody filmed it originally, and it like leaked online. Oh, yeah. like, it was on Reddit like, like, like ten minutes like, later. Yeah, leaked online, and then like the next day, they actually dropped the full fucking trailer. It shows, you know, sort of how all this multiversity kind of shit is going to start happening. Basically, it's Peter pulling a Barry Allen and sticking his dick in the timeline with the help of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I'll reserve my commentary for because my thing was just like the immediate like nostalgia that everybody has for those Raimi movies that I fucking loathe is <laughs> like it's just so over the top. Yeah. Like it's insane to me. You know what I mean? I go on Twitter and these people are fucking like Alf- crying. Alfred Molina. Everybody's losing their fucking mind at the shot of like Doc Ock. And I'm okay with the Alfred Molina one because at least that movie's like watchable. But like people get excited for like Willem Dafoe or like oh we're gonna see Venom again. I'm like. You want to see that Venom again? Like, no. I'd rather see Tom Hardy. Like, I don't want. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to see that either. But either, like, yeah. I don't have a ton of nostalgia for those movies. I guess so. I'm kind of maybe. I'm the guy who wants new shit, right? Like, I want like I don't want old Doc Ock. I want give me the new Doc Ock. Like, give me something fresh yeah. kind of thing. So like this, like this nostalgia bomb of these old movies. I'm like, I don't want to see fucking Toby, like 78 year old Toby McGuire. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to see Andrew Garfield. I don't, like, I don't give a shit about either of them as Spider-Man anymore. Like I'm over it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of like torn on this movie. Cause now they're like, now it, like, it's confirmed that we're going down the road that I was like, Meh. yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, Jamie Foxx is supposed to fucking be with this and that or back in this too. So we'll see what actually fucking happens from it. But yeah, I don't know. I would like literally if it would just been him and Doctor Strange bombing around the multiverse. I'd have been like, yeah, all right, I'll watch that movie. But like, oh, no, we got to do the nostalgia thing and have like, you know, Willem Dafoe show up. I'm like, no. But if it's uh, Keaton back, you're okay with it. Well, I mean, like Keaton back. I just like Keaton going crazy. (laughs) Well, DCC with DC. I don't give a shit what they do anymore because they've completely given up like a plot, or, like a thread for anything going on <laughs> at this point. Whereas Marvel still has like the, you know, the makings of a cohesive universe. It's just did, like, did we talk last week about Keaton just being like, yeah, I have no fucking idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah. Multiverse shit. Like I just, I just show up and do my lines. Yeah. And um, I'm all for it. He can do that all he wants. And like Alfred Molina can do exactly the same thing. I don't have yeah. to like it in either case i could love it in one case and hate it in the other <laughs> and the only reason i like it in the batman case because i just want to see michael keaton do old man batman and i figure this is the only path to that whereas yeah. like alfred molina is going to show up in this and he's not coming back you know what i mean so like yeah. that's your doc ock for the mcu is alfred molina again is yeah exactly this that's not played him like 18 years ago or yeah something. like that, to me that's not as much fun as like oh we get a new doc ock now in 2021 you know like that would be cool to me but all right alfred molina has like hardly fucking age though no, that's that's digital, dude. Like he's aged. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's I, I don't know that I've seen a picture. You know what I was surprised by? Speaking of Michael Keaton, like he gets a line of dialogue in this, and he's not even in the trailer. I was hoping he'd be much more prominent in this, considering like his role in what was going on in the first movie. Yeah. So like, I want him back. Like, let's get Michael Keaton back in the Spider-Man movies. I know he's busy doing Batman, but like, I was hoping for more Vulture more than anything. Yeah, so. that'd be nice too. Speaking of DC doing their own thing, we have another solo DC movie that has been announced. It is Black Canary, uh, the character that was first introduced in the Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey movie from, geez, that movie only came out last year. That still blows my fucking mind. Uh, But it is Journey Smollett coming back as Black Canary with Misha Green from the, the showrunner and writer of Lovecraft Country 
directing and creating this movie. Um, and I don't know, Misha Green and Journey Smollett in Lovecraft Country is a pretty cool combination. So, I mean, I'm, well, yeah, I mean, we'll end up watching all of this anyway. Like, it's not like I have a choice in the matter, <laughs> one way or the other. But actually, this I'm looking forward to. This sounds like it'll be interesting. So, see how many people they actually like drag in for this. Because, like, at the end of that movie, she was in Birds of Prey, right? Like, they had their little team going. Mm-hmm. Like, is that done? Or is she just on a solo mission now? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, all those characters, you know, have had like their own books going yep. on at times while there's like the team, the so. team happening as well. So, who knows? Yeah. We'll see. I'm on board. This is a brand new announcement. So, uh, the Flash, we found out the Flash TV show is coming back soon with its eighth season. No end in sight for that show just yet. But we found out that it's going to have another like big crossover thing that it's going to uh, kick off its eighth season. It's called Armageddon, which any oh, DC no. fan will like shudder at the word Armageddon because of that fucking terrible like 1991 crossover. <laughs> yeah, uh, I never even read it and I know it's a, like not, you know, yeah. utter its name kind of thing. So, well, that was the one that where they switched who was going to be the the big bad like halfway through because it had leaked who it was actually going to be and then they changed it like the identity of it was a monarch and then they changed it halfway through and then everybody's like what the fuck that makes no goddamn sense like all the information you've been feeding us says that it's going to be this person i think was it hawkman or something like that i don't fucking know but then it ended up being captain adam i think i don't know it is a fucking mess so yeah, I don't know that I uh, that instills me with great confidence that they're using that name, but it is going to be another big crossover. It's going to have the new Batwoman, Javicia Leslie, uh, Cress Williams is going to be coming back as Black Lightning. Going to be a couple of Supergirl characters, Mia Queen from Arrow, the uh, Ryan Choi from the Christ on Infinite Earths crossover, and. Brandon Routh as the Adam is going to be on it as well. Didn't he just get picked up on another show? Uh, he just got cast in the in a Netflix series that's yeah. based on a game. Uh, was it Magic the Gathering? Sure. Not Dungeons that's... and Dragons because that just wrapped filming. Oh, did Jeremy Irons come back for that one? I don't think so. That's too it's, bad. Uh, was it Francis Francis Daly? Okay. Is, sure. Yeah, that that Canadian dude is, yeah. uh, I think, direct, uh, directing that Dungeons and Dragons movie. Did you ever see the original, or like not the original? I don't know if there's another one before that. But did you ever see the 2000s Dungeons and Dragons with Jeremy Iron? Jeremy I, Irons? No, I don't think I ever bothered with it. That's a that's a get stoned and watch it kind of movie. <laughs> if yeah. I ever heard one, well, it's terrible. Like it's <laughs> like Howard the Duck bad, but uh, the Jeremy Iron performance. Jeremy Iron is aware of the movie he's in. Yeah. And just takes the opportunity to entertain himself quite thoroughly <laughs> on set <laughs> while he's acting. Not, oh no, it was the there there was a Warcraft one too, wasn't there? Like yes. more recently as that well, was like twenty eighteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was terrible oh, just, also. Oh, shit just fucking blurs together for me. All that like shit based on fantasy games that I don't care about. Yeah, that's all fantasy for me for the most part. So <laughs> it's all just like elves and angry orcs and i'm like all right (laughs) we got a title and uh release date for the fourth matrix movie it will be called the matrix resurrections and it's coming to theaters for christmas release on december 22nd and they also this also fucking happened at cinemacon they also dropped like 10 minutes of footage so they didn't like 
release it for everybody to see. They just showed it and let people go and talk about it and describe it, which why it's 2021. Why are you just showing shit at cons and then not simultaneously releasing it for everybody? Well, cause Disney Villeneuve still thinks we should go to movie theaters to watch movies. So obviously, uh, which this week too, yeah. is directing that. Uh, not, is it both of them? No, it's only Lana. I think Lily stepped back from this. I think Lily, Lily sort of jumped ship from, everything it seems like uh after the first season of sensate fair been lily no lana i think uh doing it on her own fair enough i still need to see what this movie's going to be before i give a shit after <laughs> like it's hard to give that movie any leeway after the sequels for that first mate like of the you know what i mean like those sequels were fucking bad like so fair. so I, I did see your threat that we should watch them <laughs> And I feel like we should at least review the first one. Before. Yeah, I would rewatch the first one. I don't know if I could get through the other two. That would that maybe might be. just like cram the other two together in like a back to backer or something like that. I guess like we could, put in one episode or something. We could try something like that. Might, we might. It might be like opening the mouth of madness kind of thing by <laughs> trying to cram all that bad into one episode. Oh, I guess like. The third one's I not think, like horrifically bad, but like no, the second really one. The second one with the second the, one's a fucking mess. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's that second one with all the real world sh- world shit and the dance party and stuff like that. Like I like I, I Yeah, I know you but you apologize for the prequels also, Tim, so it's hard to take you seriously here. <laughs> there's good shit in both of those uh second and third movies. There's also there's, garbage. There's more good shit in the third one, but that one's also weighed down by all the Jesus y shit in it, which really kinda oh, like yeah. kinda takes away from the fun of the story also <laughs> so like i don't know the first one's still a fucking classic like like the last great cyberpunk movie or whatever you want to call it and it's just yeah i don't know like that that's a movie i would love like i have no problem going back and looking at it's when you start like lumping in the sequels where i'm just like man they killed it you know what i mean and that's kind of like <laughs> the problem with it is like the the first one's so original and then you go to the second ones and it's kind of more of the same and they don't do anything to elevate anything at that point and it just kind mm-hmm. of falls apart as a result for me anyway, we can absolutely review them, but it's going to be like me blowing the first one and then just me groaning at you for the second two. So, yeah, I, it'll be, it would be interested to rewatch. I'd be interested to rewatch them at this point because I don't think I've watched them since the Wachowskis transitioned and came out and said like, yeah, this oh, whole yeah. thing was a fucking like, you know, allegory for, for the trans experience. Yeah. No, I saw they, they, they put the 4k out like last year, the year before or something like that. And I, I ran through them. Or at least the original, and I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a lot." It does read a little differently now, and you know, like yeah. what was going on with them at the time, kind of thing, like pre-transition yeah. stuff. So, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Maybe yeah. when's that movie come out? I got to brace myself for those sequels. December, December twenty second. Well, I guess I know how I'm painfully spending my November. So, <laughs> also coming out on December twenty second is the King's Man, the prequel series or prequel movie to the Kingsman movies. And we got a red band trailer for that this week. Uh, that looks suitably fucking insane uh, compared to those, well, you know, along with those, uh, those two movies. So did you watch that trailer? I did not. I'm not like overly sold on the, uh, Malarver stuff. Usually, especially the Kingsman stuff. I did like those movies are fun, but yeah. they don't like, they didn't stick with me. You know what I mean? Like I was never like, I'm going back to them. So yeah, same here. Like they're not movies that I rewatch on a regular basis, but I remember like enjoying the both of them in the theaters. I think I remember liking the first one a lot. I remember the second one being kind of like 
kind of a fucking mess. That's the one with Sam Jackson, right? Number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's a little. That one's a little exploding heads. Yeah, that one's a little much, I think, <laughs> and not doesn't hold together quite as well. The first one's like got a the good. The second like, one has that chapel like sequence though. Yeah, which is dope. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I mean, Colin, isn't that the first. second? Isn't that the first one? I think that's the second one. I don't know. Either way. I don't know. There's like the action in those movies is great. I just like, I kind of find the main character to be like totally unlikable for the most part. So oh, yeah, Taron Edgerton. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a problem for me with those movies. Because as soon as what's his name leaves, I'm like, well, I don't give a shit about this kid. I hope he gets shot in the back of the head. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. We had an announcement just a, yesterday as we we're recording this that there is going to be a big like online Star Wars celebration thing on September 8th. Uh, they're just going to call it Star Trek Day. And did you say Star Wars first and then say Star Trek next? You did. You totally did. did. Oh. Yeah, you started with Star Wars and then switched to Star Trek after in like the second like part of the sentence. Star Trek. It is Star Trek. Star Trek Day uh, that is happening on Star Trek's 55th birthday, yep. which is September 8th. And it's going to be hosted by Will Wheaton. And it sounds like it's basically just going to be a bunch of like promos for some of the newer series and stuff like they're going to have, you know, some like just masturbatory, like, Hey, look how great star Trek is kind of stuff, which fine. And then there's also going to be like panels with some of the actors from some of the current and upcoming series, like strange new world and discovery and Picard and prodigy. And I don't, it doesn't say maybe lower decks too. Yeah. There's going to be a panel for each of the current, Paramount Plus series, so Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds. Yay! Star Trek Day! <laughs> you don't sound nearly as excited about that as you should, being our resident like Star Trek fan. Uh, do you want more information on Picard Season 2? <laughs> or Discovery Season 4? I don't Or really Prodigy? <laughs> In Prodigy, I'm curious about, just because like, Kate Mulgrew's coming back, but yeah. the, like, I saw Patrick Stewart come back and it left me wanting a lot. So hey, I was fine having Patrick Stewart came back. I just wish she would have came back in a different fucking story. I, I wish he had come back in a story. So <laughs> yes. Did you see the uh, case of Chateau Picard on the, on last week's lower decks episode? I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually didn't watch that. I got to watch this week still, but I've been enjoying lower decks. Like at least that show is like, it's very much like you have to be a like a Trekkie's Trekkie to kind of like enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. Like it's very dense in the lore and stuff. But like for me, it's fun. It's a little bit like I think one of the like complaints that you had or we both had was that it was a little a little too like lighthearted or whatever. Like yeah, to believe yeah. that this could actually happen on a Federation ship. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's that's still there in the back of my head. But like. I, I find it entertaining at the very least. So yeah. I mean, whatever. It's not as offensive as the other new shows, I guess is what I'm trying yes. to say. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Star Trek prodigy, we found out who a couple of the villains are going to be on that show. One is John Noble from fringe and Lord of the Rings and legends of tomorrow. He is going to be playing a character called the diviner. And uh, also Jimmy Simpson, who people know from, Westworld, he plays the young version of the man in black. I, I remember as, him as one of the creepy twins from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I know he was from uh, Westworld, so that's, yes. Yeah. I know that guy is. Uh, that guy is also going to be another villain. 
Dreadnought, spider-like robotic guard who is the Diviner's right hand. Sure. Okay. I don't know anything about this show except for the like Captain or I guess it's Captain Janeway comes is back. I think it's Admiral Janeway by this time because it's like post their trip out to the Delta Quadrant. Like it seems like when she gets back from that, they like instantly make her an admiral. One would assume, but she's like in the key art that I've seen, she's still wearing like the Voyager outfit with four pips. So like, okay, I thought she, I, from what I understand, she's a hologram on the show. Also, so I don't know. Mm. I don't know. We'll see when it, wa- it comes out. You know, I'm going to watch it. Like regardless of how bad this one, I don't know. Like this one seems to be geared like really towards. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of so I don't know. If I'm gonna be able to make it through that. I'm not. I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying I'm gonna watch. It. <laughs> so the Candyman movie is not out just yet, is it? It's out in theaters, I think, because I've been oh, seeing exactly. reviews and okay. stuff on Twitter, or, like people talking about it on Twitter, and it looks like it's fucking dope. So, like, yeah, it's getting really good reviews. Yeah, um, so I, I'm excited I, to see it. Well, I think it comes out tomorrow as we're recording this on uh, August 27th. It debuts in theaters. So okay. I think anything right now must just be previews and that sort of thing. Fair enough. Oh, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out tomorrow. That new Church's record comes out tomorrow too. Oh yeah, I didn't mind that. Uh, that cure. Or that one song with uh, Robert, Robert Smith. Smith. Yeah, it was yeah. all right. This is all right. I haven't mind the singles so far. I'm like, I'll listen to the record. Like this yeah. church, I'll listen to it a couple times and yeah. give it. It's like you know, give it a fair shake. Yep, we're starting to get previews. Well, uh, reviews from previews, critic previews of Ghostbusters af- Afterlife, and most of them seem pretty positive too, which is encouraging. I see the same word that fills me with dread, though, over and Nostalgia. over again. Nostalgia, yeah. Which yeah. I was like, all right. It's like people saying nostalgia done right, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, which I'm like, is it ever though? Like, are we are we at that point where that's all we want from these movies? Is just nostalgia? Cool. Like, <laughs> are you saying you don't have massive nostalgia? I mean, we, I we do my, that Ghostbusters game because it was like just a perfect nostalgia bomb. I absolutely like have nostalgia for Ghostbusters. I don't have nostalgia for Stranger Things, which is what they seem to be trying to sell me on this movie. So. I don't think, yeah. I think it's more going after nostalgia for Ghostbusters more than it is for nostalgia for... Can you have nostalgia for Stranger Things? Well, no, I just mean that like, they're, they're doing... like It, it feels style. more like that style of movie more than it feels like Ghostbusters to me, as which has been my complaint about this movie since it was conceived. It's like it's going into business story about adults in New York, not a bunch of country bumpkins, you know, find shit that goes bump in the night. Like, that's not the same story to me, but okay. <laughs> Fair. Fine. And the very, very last. I don't want the Spider-Man shit either. You know what I mean? I'm just grouchy right now. I don't know what my problem is. The last thing that I had was that we got sort of a first look at the Netflix Cowboy Bebop series. Uh, they just released a couple of like production stills that uh, show a couple, show like the main characters from it, and people that know Cowboy Bebop seem to be pleased with this. I have- Isn't it Jason Show and he's like fucking uber shredded too now? Like, is that? Was it that yeah. story? Yeah, where he's just like super cut now. Like, good for yeah. him. Cool. Yeah, that's what I saw on Twitter this week. Basically, it was like Jason Chow is super fucking cut now. Was he not before? I always assumed he's in those Star Trek movies. John so Chow, not Jason Chow. Is it John? Oh shit! Why am I thinking Jason Chow? Either Harold way, and Kumar. Yeah, well, that's the same. That's the actor. You're right. Yeah, fair enough. Either way, yeah, I was like, is he not cut enough? Either way, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I just it's I have no investment whatsoever in this because I've never watched Cowboy Bebop or presumably read. I imagine it probably started out as an anime or as a as a manga, manga or something. Probably, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for the people that like it. 
Uh, that's everything I had. Did I miss anything? Not that I'm aware of. All right. Then we can move on to our Geek of the Week, which is a segment of the podcast where we talk about the nerdiest thing we've done in the past week or so. So, Mark, what's your Geek of the Week? Literally anything I could do to avoid playing our meet of the episode this week I was doing. That's <laughs> basically what I was doing. I caught up to Daredevil. I read a little Batman. I was reading comics and shit just so I <laughs> didn't have to play this game. I continued playing Metro Exodus, which is an excellent, fantastic interactive experience, if that's something you're into. What, uh, what Batman did you read? Uh, I was just catching up to the current run, like the Tinian run and stuff like that. Because okay. I, I was a little behind. Um, I did yeah, the same thing. Getting into fear state now. Yeah, fear state's what has kind of started popping up on the covers. So I'm like assuming that's where we're we're headed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's the same with like Daredevil. I'm in the middle of the current run, which is lockdown. Which like spoilers, Bullseye's cloned himself and he's gone insane in the middle of Manhattan or in the middle of Hell's Kitchen, and it's been a lot of fun so far. They even <laughs> have to call Spider Man in. It's never a good sign when you got to call Spider-Man into a Daredevil comic. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really, it was, that was mostly my geek of the week was just <laughs> like doing whatever I could to be like, I yeah, procrastinating for playing a, uh, a LucasArts point and click game. So, yeah, I've been, I've been playing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I ripped through Streets of Rage 4 again, which I highly recommend uh, if you haven't played it yet and you're a Streets of Rage fan back in the day, you should totally check out Streets of Rage 4. Still, I think I talked about that last year when it came out. Yeah. So there's that. And yeah, that and Metro have been my two like go-tos when I can't tolerate <laughs> fake Indiana Jones anymore. So <laughs> ah, I like it. Then okay, my geek of the week. I have started rereading Dune again for the first time in a very uh, long time. I was I was thinking about that 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 because it's coming up, right? And I was like, yeah, I should probably like, get October into that 22nd, shit. So it comes out in less than two months. And I I did just I finished the Silmarillion, you know, a few weeks ago or a month ago or something like that. And figured that uh, this was, you know, my next novel that I was going to jump into. I went, I mean, I'm going from one dense novel to another, but at least it is a lot more narrative than. Yeah, I was going to say it's uh, it's good that you're going to uh, from a book that took you three years to read to a book that's going to take you three years to read. That's uh, <laughs> that's edifying. I actually grabbed the audio book or something like that and listened to it while I'm working because, like, yeah, it's been a long time since I read that book. Like, I must I must have been in high school when I read it. Yeah, I think I, I don't th- I don't know if I read it in high school or if it was like in undergrad, but it's been like a, a good 15 years since. I've yeah, read it. it's been a long time since I looked at it, too. I don't even remember. I haven't seen the movie in a long time either. And I saw the 4K like they put a 4K Blu-ray out of it. And I was like, do I want to sit through that again before this the new one? Lynch one? Yeah, the Lynch one. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Watch the sci-fi miniseries if you're going to watch anything to compare to. I would rather not watch John a sci-fi miniseries guy's name anymore i don't know i just i mean sting in a thong is just like an experience that you should have in your life i it's guess true that 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 david lynch movie has some very striking visuals i'll yeah, say that much mostly stings packages in your face a lot it's a little <laughs> off-putting if you want that why don't you just watch fucking labyrinth and get bowie's that's package. bowie yeah no i would no because that that's something i enjoy is bowie i fucking hate sting so like <laughs> sting writes the worst pablum i've ever heard in my life so <laughs> All right, well, then we can move on to our meat of the episode. Punchable Nazi meat. I mean, if you pick the right path, it is. Yes. <laughs> if you, and, and are good at button mashing on your keypad. There's a cheat. You have to just alternate know, between the, the up and middle, and they, they just walk right into it. So it's not well, even there's fun. Also, there's also a sucker punch key. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. Okay. You don't, I, that- I think you don't get 
points. Like, uh, yeah, you don't get score if you use the sucker punch, though. I wasn't really paying attention to the score too much when I was doing that, my little <laughs> combat run through, just to see. I just was trying to see what the combat was going to be like because I got whomped the first time, right? Like, I, yeah. I tried to pick a fight with that bouncer and was like, wow, I got, yeah. I got beat up. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm gonna go try like try it in another because I just basically say like did a like a, a save, save scum yeah. yeah kind of thing and just went across and uh, I was like yeah this combat is a fucking bismal like a fucking bismal so <laughs> but that is dope. not really what the game is known for but I I did I made Mark play another Lucas Arts point and click adventure game apparently it's something I'm allowed to do every about two years because I think it was two years ago when I had him do. Day of the tentacle. I must have forgot what that experience was like. I blocked it out at this point, and now I've I now I remember why I banned those fucking games at the end of that episode. <laughs> uh, so I, I had my resident Indiana Jones nut play Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, uh, which was originally released in 1992 and then re-released a year later in 1993 as like a, a CD-ROM talkie meaning that like the first version of the game didn't have voice uh, acting in it. It was all just a text adventure. Oh my God, really? That's the only yeah. good thing about this game is the fucking voice acting. I know. And it's yeah. mediocre so at version, best, but like, yeah, that must have been a goddamn slog. Wow, yeah, sorry. I, I don't think I've ever played the version without the voice acting. And uh, the, the CD-ROM version also had digitized sound. Uh, so the like disc version, the floppy disc version was all like meaty. So yeah. like it was all like you know from your fucking shitty computer speakers and that sort of thing and yeah. <laughs> no matter uh, that one was uh, early '90s PC game sound, <laughs> yeah. just man. Yeah. This game was built on LucasArts Scum Game Engine. Uh, the game was written by Hal Barwood and Noah Falstein, uh, who also I think directed and desired like designed the game too. And they worked on a cup. They weren't like a couple of like the core. LucasArts guys, they only did like a couple of these games. Uh, the game itself sold over a million copies. It's widely considered a classic of the adventure game genre. But before we get to talking about our experiences with the game, Mark, what is the plot of Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis? Oh, fuck, I hate you. Uh, well, from the, the branch that I played, <laughs> basically you are Indiana Jones who has been tasked at the beginning of the game with finding a knickknack that is lost in the collection of the university that you work at. I Barnett College. Barnett College. Sorry. I don't know why I can't remember these things. <laughs> I'm already starting to repress this experience also. So that's good. That, isn't that where he works in all the movies too? And they never really like specifically say where he works. Yeah. So like, it never really matters. And it's supposed to be upstate New York somewhere. And yeah. Whatever. Does it it's matter? It's supposed to be like, what, like if, uh, Ithaca. Something like that. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. Does it matter where he works? It's Indiana Jones. He punches Nazis in the fucking <laughs> face. That's all we really care about at this point. Yeah, because that's where the, the red line starts from. Sure. <laughs> we can go with that. So he finds this knickknack after you fall fumble your way through the like the whatever like the, offices. The opening and, credits. <laughs> the opening credits of yeah, this game. And uh, you bring it to this Nazi double agent. Indy not this is supposed to be set in thirty nine, so it's supposed to be set after Temple of Doom pre-Raiders. So Indy mm -hmm. not quite in Nazi hunting mode yet, I guess, or whatever. Doesn't notice that this guy is like clearly a not speaking with a proper American accent and is in fact very, very German. But you know he calls himself what John Smith or something. Yeah, he's like John like Smith, like that with like just barely hidden accent. It's excellent. <laughs> they unlock this doodad with the key that this German double agent has, and some a little bobble falls out. 
which I think he steals right away, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think Indy keeps the Oracalcum at that point. Uh, either way, dude takes off and like Indy tries to chase him but fails because, of course, he does. He talks to who I'm assuming is supposed to be Marcus, but I don't know. Yeah, it is it's supposed to be Marcus. He had experience with this Atlantis stuff at some point in a dig, and he was working with this woman, Sophia, who is now some kind of like fraud psychic in New Charlton, York. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and changes into his standard indie gear and he heads off to New York. We do the, I love, that is the one thing I do like, well, this, the presentation is pretty good in this game. Yeah. So like you do the red line dot like map stuff, just like the movies and you're plopped in front of a theater where Indy gets told it's sold out and he goes to the back and you can, you could pick a fight up with a bouncer, but you're supposed to sweet talk him from what I understand so that he lets you in. Or there is a third option. There is also, you can sneak in through the back. Sneaking up the the fire escape by moving some crates around. Yeah, if you can figure out which crates to move around properly without spending six hours doing it. (laughs) Absolutely, dude. It's it's one of those things that I just remember because I did it. I've done it so many times. Yeah, and see, like, they don't really, like, the mouse overlay stuff or, like, your, like, uh, mouse over stuff is a little janky. So, like, sometimes it'll say, like, you can move this crate. And then something will shift like half a pixel behind it. And all of a sudden the move crate thing is just <laughs> gone. And I don't know what happened to it either way. Yeah. So I, yeah, I figured out the first time after getting my teeth cut in by this guy, because <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I just started melting off. Like I assumed Indiana Jones would. Yep. Got my head kicked in and I started again, you know, did the same thing. And this time I sweet talked the guy about how awesome this lady is. And he let me in. And then I gave the, the stagehand a newspaper and then I spent two hours trying to figure out what this fucking switch thing <laughs> was supposed to be doing. Cause it's like, they don't tell you at all. Like there's no indication of like how to get it to set up properly. You just got to sit there and it's a trial and error, just sit there and trial and error for half an hour, or fucking three hours or however long I spent on it. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> it felt like forever. Eventually he sets off this ghost that's hanging next to the thing, which I guess is part Under of the show. Cell. Yeah, and in the interim, like we keep cutting back to this the speech that Sophia is giving about Atlantis and the fallen king that she talks to psychically, Nurab Sal, and all this other wonkadoo horse shit. <laughs> Indy, which I like, is because Indy's in like skeptic mode still, yeah. so he just is just treats it all like wonkadoo horse shit, which yeah. I, I'm I'm cool with. Indy hasn't seen the art shit in the Ark of the Covenant yet, so... Yeah, he hasn't seen Nazis get fucking, like, wiped off the face of the planet without a trace by, like, some unseen force yet, so he's... Although he didn't even see that with the the Ark either, because he had his eyes closed. He just saw, like, the little bits of Nazi that were, like, melted and left over after that. That's what... But they, for the most part, like, they, they all just disappear. Like, he closes his eyes, screams a bunch, and then opens his <laughs> eyes, and those Nazis are mostly just gone or dead, yeah. which is also just as horrifying i think we talked about this when we did the episode We're like yeah they did that properly because it's scary to think about what just happened anyway where were we so yeah so he he sets off the ghost and it interferes with her show or her speech or whatever she's doing and they go off and chat together now apparently they were lovers at one point or something i don't know what's going on indiana jones fucked everybody he's fucked everybody i mean it's harrison ford how could you not yeah like what i would so especially back then you know (laughs) anyway in my playthrough this is where they go back and like have a conversation about like what they need to do to stop the nazis from getting to atlantis and you can this is i think where you get to pick which branch you take basically and that's where i picked team and brought her along with me yeah 
Yeah, I guess it's around here. No, well, no, you go and do the whole um, Lost Dialogue of Plato thing first. Where you go to in between. Oh, where you Algiers, go. Is it Trottier or whatever? And like you got to do the, the seance yeah, stuff? Yeah, Algiers. And... You, okay, you do the seance stuff in everybody's playthrough. Because that's what the, my next thing I think was I was going to talk about. Because you just kind of bounce back and forth. Well, no, the seance you don't do. Okay. The seance comes, seance comes later. But Jesus. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, well, they go back to Barnett College and then they get the the lost dialogue of plato yeah it isn't until after that i think that they oh sorry you do go hunt around in in the college and find some other doodad like i think you find the actual like copy of the lost dialogue or something like that and yeah you, you got to do a little like hunt around for stuff first but you end up somewhere where you find this guy named trottier and like you do a seance with him so that you can get this disc which is required to start key it's a key, yeah, to start opening some of the doors for some of the puzzles later in the game. In my playthrough, I dressed Indiana Jones up as the Nareb Saul guy and like scared the shit out of that guy, so we took off. Yeah, I guess there was another option where you could go and like use the lady and like talk her, talk him out of his thing. If you could remember the, I did, I tried to do that, but I couldn't remember the conversation I had with the guy with Indy the night before. Yeah, while I was playing the game, <laughs> and then like, so I was like, I don't know what he was talking about. So I'm just gonna do the other way that the walkthrough told me at this point because I'm getting frustrated with this game. And yeah, that was what it told me to do was take Indy and scare the guy. And I was like, that works for me. So that's what we did. So now we've got disc one of three, and we go. <laughs> this is where things get a little fuzzy for me because you do a lot of back and forth between a bunch of different places like Crete and Algiers and yeah, someplace Monte else, Carlo. Monte Carlo, yeah. There's at one point there's uh, you're you're hunting for a camp. Uh, oh my god, Tim, you got to help me out, man, because like I can't remember exactly <laughs> I mean, what happened. You, in the this is of this where game. you played a different path than I fucking did. Yeah, well, it's like you end up in a place where you got to go. Like, there's a you're looking for these two guys because Trodia gives you the name of two two men you got to go visit, and they've got like knickknacks that you need. They may have masks or something. There's just a bunch of crap you got to pick up in this game that I like couldn't keep it all straight. So. Yeah difficult um but you go get this like stone disc from this other guy or you show him the stone disc and he realizes that you're legit looking for atlantis and like he gives you some other knickknack that you need to proceed along your way and in the you, meantime you can have, have did your playthrough have the car chase in uh monte carlo or no negative that's no only mine. that's yeah, only that's, in yours yeah that's that, that happens i played through the wits path so there's three the wits is more puzzles team is like you going back and forth and you get to control sophia at times yeah and then fists is you just fucking fight your way through everything oh yeah at one point while you're in this marketplace you make her go uh do like a knife throwing be an assistant for a knife thrower um to get something to get another knickknack you need so that you can go and like give like a baseball to a vendor who then gives you a thing that you go give to a homeless dude who oh, gives yeah, you the, a where ticket. You have to give him a squab or whatever. Yeah. The whole trading sequence. So for me, in that. And sequence, then you go and steal a fucking hot air balloon. And that's yeah. when you end up in the hot air balloon sequence. Yeah. So for, for me, I that my version of that is I have to go find the dude that knows something about the stone disc or whatever. And you have to go to a marketplace and tell the dudes like peon to, to go to ask him if he'll see him but he, he won't see you. And so you then have to like get a red hat and give it to him so that you can track him through the crowds and see where he's going and then just show up at the dude's house instead. 
Now I'd like to point out that like all of this stuff happens, like, and it's the most confusing interface you can possibly use. And like, you got to click on the screen in random places because it never really tells you what you're looking for or clicking on or any of this kind of stuff or like any indication of what to do. Or even when you do kind of know what to do, it's such an obtuse. There, there are some cases where it's like, if you don't know what, what to do, you're kind of fucked. Yeah, I came up on a couple of those. So, like, the balloon thing in particular, first of all, flying that balloon was the most obnoxious oh, yeah. thing that has ever happened to me in a video game since, like, the NES era. Like, this, that was, like, Atari-level horse shit. I was, couldn't believe this was happening in the, 1992. The and everything. And- I'd just like to point out in 1992, Street Fighter the World Warrior came out. Games could control quite well at this point. <laughs> We'd had, like, nine Mario games. You know what I mean? Like, things, <laughs> you could we handle had, like, things. Four Mario games at that point. Dude, the Game Boy was out by then. It was like 19, at like just like in the first year alone, I'm sure. Either way. So yeah, so at that point, I had to take the, the hot air balloon and look for the dig site where the Nazis were digging for another artifact. I don't know what the artifacts all are. There, it's... Is it another stone wheel? Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's where you get the sunstone in that version. Uh, Although I already had the sunstone because you have to do a puzzle with it to get her loose because she falls into a pit because that's all she does as soon as you show up anywhere she falls into a pit so you got to go around and like find like first of all they make you fumble around in the dark to start a fucking generator yeah yeah, and then you're constantly juggling back and forth getting the parts for the generator into the truck it's super annoying you eventually find something that shows you that you need to go to crete on this thing on this island and you also free sophia so she can continue along with you and then you go to crete I think after this, you may have to go at some points to like back to some of the other spots to pick up this like odd knickknack that you may have missed. Mm -hmm. But because at this point I was about to pull my eyes out of my head because I hate playing these games. I I forgot completely. (laughs) I was using a walkthrough just to kind of like ease my way through it a little bit. (laughs) Otherwise I'd have probably given up at the switch thing at the beginning. (laughs) So I, I have these games on, on CDs that like came in those like collections and each of the, the these like a LucasArts adventure game collections all came with their like a, a fucking like walkthrough guide because you know this was in the days pre-internet where you couldn't find this fucking shit out other otherwise so I definitely would not have been able to make it 100% through these games without that I guarantee you the reason why I never played these games is because like I got stuck somewhere and there's no fucking real indication of where to go or what to do nobody's giving you a hint even in Zelda like even the most of two Zelda ever somebody will be like this is what you're supposed to be doing you moron yeah. basically right whereas these games are like no fuck off go figure it out go <laughs> click every pixel in that screen until you find the stupid thing you need to make Indy pick up, and then you're going to watch him walk around the whole map to get to that spot, and then he's going to give you shit that he can't pick it up because you're not at the right angle. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to realize that you left something else behind that you needed. And- so you got to walk all the way back around. And then at this point, you're just like, I could just go play Streets of Rage right now and beat the ever-loving shit out of some punks, and that sounds like a lot more fun than this is. <laughs> So I did that for a little bit around this point in the game, I think. Oh, man, what happens here? So, yeah, you're on Crete. Oh, my God, this is the most annoying puzzle, actually. Because oh, it's labyrinth. the one where you, it's not. No, we're not even at the labyrinth yet. We're finding the labyrinth where you got to do like the thing. You got to use. Oh, my God, the surveyor tool. Oh, like, yeah. To line up the horns. Oh, that took me forever the first time I played through on the on the team path. And uh, I, when I realized that I wasn't going to have to do that this time around, because like the on the width path, uh, they've already found that. And so you just like steal it from them. 
Yeah, I spent like an hour trying to figure that fucking puzzle out. Even with the walkthrough, it it didn't explain it very visually, well. It, yeah, visually, like it's so hard to figure out exactly the right angle that you're supposed to like get the horn in and the surveying tool or whatever to, yeah. to make it work. So this is where I started using a YouTube walkthrough because I was yeah. just like, I'm fucking done with this horse shit at this point. Like, I'm probably just going to watch this other dude play this game till its completion because I'm about to lose my goddamn mind. No, I agree that 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 puzzle is not well done. In well, no, because like it's really weird. You don't get any real indication of what you're supposed to do, and then you got like the the key is you got to go through and like find these piles of stones and push them. But if you just look at them, which would be your first thing to do, it just tells you it's a it's a loose pile of stones. So you're like, okay, what does that tell yeah. me, right? Like, it doesn't really tell you anything yeah. until you got to figure out the obtuse. I have to push the push stones, them over. Yeah. and then not, But a lot of the time, it also says nothing happens. So you're just like, oh, it's just just like a stupid interactive thing they plopped in here for no reason yeah. until you hit like four the or five right of them, yeah. and then the right one pops up, and it's random apparently per game because like I was doing it, watching the YouTube guy do it. And I went and tried it in the same spot on my game and it didn't fucking work. Yeah. And then I was like, my mouse is going through a fucking window right now. I'm about done with this fucking horse shit. <laughs> so <laughs> then I figured out it's random. So I had to go and hit every single one in the yeah. fucking map to figure it out. At that point, I was getting real annoyed. But you do get into the labyrinth at that point ish. I think there's something else that happens. But like at that point, my frustration level was like <laughs> really high. So you get into the labyrinth and you get split up with Sophia again because that's just what happens every fucking 13 seconds in this game, uh, especially in the team, the team version. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, you're always rescuing her. Yeah, so the wits path, like you go your separate ways and you don't meet back up with Sophia. Like you you cross paths with her once or twice, but like you don't really interact with her until you okay. get to Atlantis. And Atlantis is where all the paths converge again. Fair enough. Yeah, I kind of got the feeling. So like at that point, the labyrinth happens, which I think is where like it's converging again. Like everybody is the labyrinth, right? Do you do it that as well? Yeah, or? everybody has to. I think the the way that you get through the labyrinth is different depending on. Yeah, well, what, the fighting is apparently like it's basically just Mortal Kombat. Like at yeah. that point, like you just fight Nazis for. But yeah, you're fighting stuff. a shitload of Nazis because they're already there and they're yeah. Yeah, the labyrinth is just full of them. But like in my one, it was like you got to kind of navigate this labyrinth and go into like all the different rooms and find all the little puzzle pieces until eventually you kind you find a way to activate a Atlantean bulldozer, I guess, and oh, drive yeah, it yeah. through yeah. the walls and all this other stuff. Where yeah, you finally kind of get part similar. Yeah, the, that end game is similar in terms of how you end up finding the the miniature version of Atlantis. Fair enough. So at that point, you're kind of in the core of Atlantis. The game basically ends at this point because, like, there's no more real interactivity except for clicking dialogue options, which, yay. Um, but you're you're basically confronted by the Nazi doctor and kind of main bad guy that John Smith from the beginning, and they have discovered that if you put no, enough, you're skipping of, over the whole fucking third act, dude. What's what am I skipping? We're skipping over all the parts like where you have to like reactivate all the Atlantean technology and shit like that and make your own or get Sophia out of the Atlantean dungeon and all that shit. And, and, yeah. get, uh, and, and get rid of the, the octopus and all that. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot about the octopus. Yes, so you end up in like the underground Atlantis, like the sewer system or whatever, and then there's a crab thing that you ride, and like, yeah, you have to go and like use, it's something really obtuse, like it's like a hot dog you throw in a ribcage to catch a crab that you feed to a fucking... (laughs) 
octopus to get it to calm down so that you can walk through the water and, and get, get to the, the crab, crab thing, crab put the or, or put thing. the MacGuffin right. shit, uh, unobtainium stuff into the <laughs> crab thing. Or a calcum. Sure. And then you start driving the crab thing around through doors. That Every door you stop and you have to use one of the sundial, like, stones, stones yeah. to open the door, which is super fucking annoying. And you gotta, yeah, reactivate a bunch of doodads. There's all these, like, deformed mutant bones and shit. Yeah, it's really weird. And then, like, eventually, yeah, you get to free Sophia. That's and right. She I completely immediately forgot. gets possessed by Nurabsal, and you gotta yes. deal with that. Well, they make out first, because that's what I remember. Yeah, and then, yeah, then they gotta go deal with Nurabsal, which is super anticlimactic, because he basically just takes the necklace and throws it in the lava, and, like, that's the end of that. Which yeah. is fair enough. So then, at this point, yes, we finally get to the Nazis. I completely forgot. Sorry about Act Three. Yeah, I was after, really after stoned that, like, and in a of horrific them. rage by the end of that, <laughs> like that sequence of horse shit, like just obtuse. This is not no, game. <laughs> nope, not at all. I don't even like regular turn-based RPGs, Tim. You know what I mean? Like Final Fantasy? Those make me want to die. I hate that shit. It's so boring. Either way, what was my favorite game? What was the one game I've been talking about for the like most for the last like three years? Control. Yeah, you're a superhero hot chick who destroys demon things <laughs> with your psychic powers and a gun. It's awesome. This has none of the slick controls of control. Let me just tell you. <laughs> In fact, you use a mouse to point to where Indiana Jones walks, and he'll take the longest possible path to get there. <laughs> it's fucking annoying. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, now we get down to the, the, the basement of Atlantis or whatever, where they're going to use the or the unobtainium. Just, I can't pronounce that word. I'm not saying it. I don't or care. Sure. And they're going to use that to use this machine that they found in the middle of Atlantis that's going to turn them into gods. In my playthrough, I don't know if it's different for anybody else, but like first the, the blonde Ubermensch German guy goes in there and he only yeah. uses one bead and he gets turned into a weird little like mutant dude from a Capcom game and he falls into the Troll lava. Yeah. yeah. And then the doctor and Indy have the longest, most obnoxious dialogue tree. If you don't, if you don't know where, yeah, how to get through it, it can take a while. Yeah that eventually leads to the because i know what i want i want i'm trying to convince the doctor that instead of testing it on me he should take the power for himself first i understand the concept yeah. the problem is that like any answer that would get you to that starts the whole fucking circle around again so you just keep yeah. doing it over and over and it's the worst either way eventually those kind of dialogue puzzles he decides that he's going to go in and do it he puts a hundred of these things in there he walks in turns into a he looks kind of like a shitty genie and yeah. then doesn't he just like disappear? Yeah. He basically like turns into like an energy being and then just zaps like, out unstable and yeah, just yeah. Basically Which causes Atlantis to collapse explodes. around them and in that kills all the other Nazi soldiers, thankfully, but Indy and Sophia get out. Um, they make it back to the U-boat that they are now, I guess have stolen. Cause there was a point where you steal a U-boat, which I found interesting. Uh, in my playthrough, I completely forgot about that. That's yeah, how you get to Atlantis. Yeah, that's how you get to Atlantis. For, so, yeah, you don't do that in my the Wits Path. You enter, th you enter through the, the entrance on Crete. Yeah, so you don't do the underwater entrance. It's a different way that you get in. Okay. But, yeah, but you do go on the U-boat because 
you 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 go in disguise on the U-boat, which is ridiculous because Indiana Jones is like talking full on English to these Nazis and like his like you know American, American accent. accent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Harrison Ford accent too. Which is, yeah. you know, so he's like he's he's mumbling to him, you know get get to the fucking back of the boat, you yeah. fucking Nazi fucks. <laughs> Oh god, it's a lot of effort doing this. Which is why he didn't clearly fucking do the voice in this game. You know, that would require fucking effort from Harrison Ford. I don't which, think they had Harrison Ford fucking money. No. Well, I mean, when did, like, I guess ninety two. Yeah, he was he was like a fucking yeah superstar yeah. by ninety two. I was like, when did they yeah, do this? Three again? three yeah. fucking Star Wars movies and three, and three Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones movies. Yeah, point. yeah. He couldn't be bothered to do anything but fly at that point <laughs> if he didn't want to. So there you go. So either way, they escape. They make it back to the U boat, and Sophia and Indy tease a young Indiana Jones sequel that never happened, thankfully. <laughs> and they kiss, and that's the end of the game. As the classic Raiders March plays in the background in terrible MIDI. <laughs> so and you did get the the good ending because there are other endings. I don't know. I followed a walkthrough, dude. I wasn't going to get the bad ending. <laughs> well, on on purpose, I I did like a a save um, before going into the God making machine because I like seeing the ending where Indy does like go through what Uberman does. And like Indy's the one that dies and Atlanta still collapses and the Nazis die and everything, but Indy's also dead. So the Nazis get the arc then that's yeah. good. That's an awesome. there, yeah, I guess so. And then there is also another ending. You don't have to free Sophia. Yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, if you, if you don't free Sophia, there's another ending where you can make it out, but she dies. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't gonna do that. Indy wouldn't let the girl die. <laughs> Even the shitty budget Indy wouldn't let the girl die. So yeah, I saved her because the walkthrough told me to. So, <laughs> so I think that is everything. Did I get everything in there? Eventually, eventually you know. Eventually, especially, yeah. Especially when you take into account that yes, this game did have that you know three different path divergence you know for the whole like second act kind of thing yeah and i did spend some time like playing through the the, the combat one but like the combat's so it's, terrible yeah, and like shit. and it really literally is you have right? to like mash the fucking uh number pad like you the nine six like if you're facing to the right you have to mash like nine six and three for like a high medium and low punch and shit yeah, like that. yeah. and i found that like the most effective strategy was just to alternate between whatever your forward punch was, whatever, like nine or six, or I guess three and what's on the number pad there, seven and four. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. To, when you're, you're facing, facing the other way. Yeah. They just alternate between those two as quickly as possible. The Nazis just walk into your punches because they're dumb as shit. Like the AI is terrible. Yeah, the AI is just fucking garbage. Yeah. So that, uh, that was fun. And then <laughs> I will put forward that this is a better Indiana Jones four than crystal skull. <laughs> Damn by fan praise. Yes. Is basically <laughs> what you're doing right now. I actually don't disagree that like the idea of like uh, Indiana Jones hunting for Atlantis is an excellent plot for an Indiana Jones movie. I just wish it wasn't done in this like real Ghostbusters kind of way. Just what this <laughs> feels like to me is the real Ghostbusters version of Indiana Jones. Not offensive or anything like that, but it's the kid version of Indiana Jones, right? He's a he's way more fumbly in this than you would ever yeah. make him in the movies and all that kind of stuff. Way like he just he gets the piss taken out of him constantly, even more so than in the movies. Doesn't get to use his whip very much. Yeah, he uses his whip like three. Like that's very annoying to me. Like I get three whips, and I think I got in like one fight in this the way I played it. So it's like yeah. this this isn't indie to me. Like indie's an action man. Like why am I not but riding? Then a they horse? made like Tomb Raidy like indie games later on, and they were also just fucking hot garbage. Yeah, but like that's because they they're terrible, and they just need to let somebody who knows how to make a Tomb Raider game make yeah. an Indiana Jones game. 
not Uncharted. I said Tomb Raider. <laughs> Fuck Uncharted. Goddamn cinematic horse shit. I mean, they're beautiful games, but like just push up to beat the game. Fuck. <laughs> At least Tomb Raider requires some goddamn skill and thought. Oh. I mean, I I have so much nostalgia for this game. Playing through it brought so many memories of like bashing away at this game and all of these LucasArts adventure games, like, you know, well past my fucking bedtime when I was a kid kind of thing. And yes, they can be very frustrating if you get stuck in one of those points because all of them have a couple of those points. But I mean, this is one of my favorite of the uh, LucasArts adventure games and my favorite of the Indiana Jones games that I think that's ever been made. I, I mean, there's never really been a great Indiana Jones game to me. So yeah. I'm still kind of waiting for that experience at this point. The best one I can say is like, pick one of the modern Tomb Raider games. That's a better Indiana Jones game <laughs> than anything I've played so far with the actual title on it. The Super Nintendo games. Okay. Ish. It's very based on those super star Wars games, which yeah. depending on your uh, tolerance for having your fucking teeth kicked in, brutal difficulty that is also an option for you so yeah those games are like ghosts and goblins hard <laughs> with the exception of the action which was always going to be pretty like it not th- more the fighting in particular which was always going to be difficult to fucking capture in a, a point and click adventure game yes this has most of what i want in an indiana jones story like it's got your you know ancient devices and traps and that sort of thing it's got like you know, an ancient culture that you're bumming around in, that kind of thing. It's got intrigue. It's got international travel, com- like you said, complete with like the, the maps and the red lines and all that sort of stuff. So it ticks a lot of Indiana Jones boxes for me. And you can tell that the creators definitely did have an appreciation for the tone of the movies. And they used the, that opportunity to tell the type of story that you probably could never actually get made into a full length, you know, like a feature length movie. I don't know how you could have adapted this necessarily for that. I have no real, you wouldn't do this story to do Atlantis with Indiana Jones basically. So that, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll agree with you on the, like, I don't think it's like, it's a badly made game or anything like that. I just think the style of game is not to my taste like at all. So I, I just find them, frustrating but like again i'm not i'm an action like twitchy kind of gamer so it, it does take my opinion with I, a, you know, a I, grain I, of salt I, yeah. uh in 1992 the height of my like i think we already talked about it like street fighter 2 was out i was i was gone at that point like you were never getting me back to playing this kind of like slow paced point and click adventure when i had played you know contra 3 and street fighter 2 and all that kind of stuff in 1992 so yeah it was just one of those like that was the kind of game that i like what I I did think though, and this is a little weird, but like you're still going to be able to play these games when you're 80. Street Fighter is <laughs> going to be real difficult with my arthritis hands when I'm 80. You know what I mean? Fair. So there is definitely that. This is fair. I might I may develop an appreciation for these games later in life when I can't do anything <laughs> else but move and click a mouse or whatever. Yeah, because holding a controller will be too difficult. It'd be a sad day for me. Yeah. Like I just remember, like when this game did. I, I didn't don't know that I played it. I did, wouldn't have played it right when it came out because I said yeah. I got it in a collection that probably came out ninety three or ninety four or something like that. So, but I remember even then, like the graphics and animations, which are absolutely dated by today's standards. I remember being like pretty blown away by in nineteen ninety three or ninety four or whatever kind of thing. Like you just didn't get. Th- those kind of visuals in a video game really no it's a really good looking like pixel art game 
for its yeah. time kind of thing. Like it looks really good. Like I have a lot of a lot of nostalgia for that like dithering, you know, dithered two two hundred fifty six color kind of. Yeah, it's it's almost like Mega Drive esque in terms of like or Genesis esque in terms of like the way like the pixels kind of get crunched and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. There, like it does have a charm to it in terms of its like look and stuff like that. I just wish it played <laughs> like a game and not just like. Yeah. It kind of feels more like interacting with a program than it does playing a game. You know what I mean? To me, like, yeah, you're, it, like you're I mean, that's how these things stuff. worked, right? Is, is yeah. when you were, the origin of this style of adventure game is those old like text-based adventures where like you would literally type out like look at whatever or like yeah. pick up use whatever kind of thing. Oh no, like, I played the Maniac Mansion. I was there. Yeah. It sucked. So yeah. well, that's what this whole game system is is based on. Is yeah, because that's what uh, Scum is script you script creation utility for maniac mansion yeah so that's what like the engine that you know most of these lucasarts adventure games is based on for the most part see i find like the lucasarts and this is a completely different like tangent topic but like i find the lucasarts games interesting because like lucasarts was split in half but we're not even split in half because who knows how many like how few people got to work on these games in particular versus like the guys who were like over yeah pushing star wars games right so it's just because it's like, and those games were like the kind of game I like, right? Like just like yeah. high action, like yeah, Twitch kind of gameplay and, and like, and, like anything with an X-Wing in it, you know, like that kind of stuff. And like pushing technology to like the absolute fucking bleeding edge of what you could run at the time. Like I remember the first time you saw a fucking TIE fighter running on a PC, you're just being like your fucking yeah. brain explodes. You're like, oh my God, it's like actually flying in fucking Star Wars. Or, yeah. yeah, or whatever, right? I think it was TIE fighter it was the first one I saw like actually running. It was just like, holy shit, man, the next 10 years are going to be fucking dope if this is where we're at now. So, yeah. and they were, I mean, the 90s were weird, to be fair. You remember <laughs> the PlayStation? Some wanky <laughs> shit for that goddamn thing, but yeah, no, like the your I I agree with you. The art design in general, like it has a good, solid, consistent feel to it for the most part. They they definitely do pick a visual sort of style for the Atlantean technology and, and architecture and everything, and tend to keep it pretty sort of consistent throughout. Yeah, which I appreciate, and again, just you know, shows that this was really like a labor of love that was done by Indiana Jones fans. It's tough playing it on any modern-sized fucking monitor because, like, this was made for, like, fucking, you know, 14-inch screens or, like, you know, 14-inch fucking CRT screens or some shit like that. So playing it on a 24 or a 27-inch monitor, like, even cranking my screen resolution down drastically and shit like that, it's still, like... You know, the, the fucking pixels are still like an eighth of an inch each kind of thing. I was like, I ran it like, I mean, I'm not changing my monitor resolution to play fucking Indiana Jones <laughs> and the Fate of Atlantis, obviously. So I like, I ran it like my desktop state needed 4K. And so I just basically like 3X or 4X the uh, the scaler on there and yeah. just saw what I got. And like, it just kind of looks like a, it, you could see the pixels at that point kind of thing. Like, it's a big kind of blobby yeah. mess, but. I don't know. I've I've sit played back. enough. <laughs> yeah, I sit back and like just remember what you're playing. Basically, like I I I'm the guy who plays through Symphony of the Night like once a year or something like that. Yeah. So I still have this appreciation for like blurring my eyes at an LCD screen that's got pixel art on it that's way too crisp or whatever and doesn't have that nice soft CRT kind of blur to it. You know, like I wish. And I've been watching too much Digital Foundry because I'm like, oh man, I should get a CRT again. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Like, what just came out of your mouth? Just because there's like, I, I don't know, some of the picture quality you see, you don't 
it's not the same anymore. Like the look of games is different on those screens than what you get on a modern display. And I wouldn't trade my 4K panels for fucking anything at this point, especially not a giant honky CRT. But there is like, like Doom looks different when you play on a CRT with the blacks, you know what I mean? Versus like an LCD kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, and we're kind of getting back there with OLED technology, which is nice, like getting back to like pure blacks and stuff like that. But man, those TVs are still fucking expensive. And I really like, they're so burning prone that I would not want to use them on my desktop where I always have windows like just <laughs> blurring white shit at everything. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else you want to talk about because, like, you mentioned the voice acting. Like, this is one of the earliest games that would have had like full voice acting. We said, like, when it first came out, didn't have it. They added it back in after the fact. And yeah. yes, it's a shitty fucking sampling rate, and they're still working out some of the kinks in it. But, like, I think the voice acting overall is pretty fucking good. It's pretty high quality for it being one of the first voice acted video games of all time. And I guess leave it to LucasArts to actually, like, do a decent job of getting, like, the recording and, like, it's adequate performance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's not like horrifically bad. Cause like at some point we'll have to like have Tim and I sit down and do like a let's play of like the first resident evil game for PlayStation. <laughs> where like the dub is, I don't even know. Not, yeah. <laughs> like it's just hot garbage. There were some like nineties PlayStation games that were like FMV based stuff where like it probably sounded good in Japanese, but then you translate the Japanese to English and then get terrible voice actors to do it that you pay $5. Yeah. Well, those games, yeah, that's a problem, <laughs> you know. So this is definitely a lot better than like what we were getting. I mean, we weren't getting any voice as, at the time on the 16-bit console, so there's definitely that. And yeah. the most we got was like... No, I mean, yeah, you'd get like one or two lines or something like that that were just horribly like distorted and shit. I remember the the uh, World Series Baseball on Sega Genesis. Like when you opened it up, it, like it would say World Series Baseball, but you could hardly fucking make it out. And then there was like the digitized like files for like Strike and... And the first time I remember hearing voice come out of a, a video game and it sounded right with Super Metroid, there is like a three sentence opening narration to Super Metroid that plays off the Super Nintendo and sounds like a human voice. Kind of, well, it's, it, it's, and it's supposed to sound like a digital, like a computer voice, but it it actually sounds like it's some a human being speaking, not just like a mash of Mega Drive sounds <laughs> trying to approximate human voice. <laughs> yeah. Which is usually what you got from the Genesis. And the Super Nintendo wasn't much better, to be fair. Like, there's some... Go just boot up extra innings for the Super Nintendo on an emulator or whatever yeah. and listen to that terrible, 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 terrible sample rate voice clip that opens Why is it that always game? sports games, too? Like, they, you know, because they want to ha- make it feel like they've got a live announcer or whatever. Yeah. Ultimately, it's just distracting. Honestly, shit. you should play some of, the, like, the 90s WWF games, I guess, at the time, where they, oh, ha- yeah, they would have, like... Those, where they tried to, like, have, like, some of the uh, the catchphrases and shit. Like yeah, the, they'd have color know. commentators, like, in there, like, yeah. doing repeating the same line over and over. Oh, my over. God! What a maneuver! What a maneuver! What a maneuver! What a maneuver! One, two, what a maneuver! Oh my god, I hate this game. Yeah, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that happened early on. So this is like, yeah, in comparison, this is pretty crazy because it's like what eight thousand lines of fucking dialogue or something yeah. like that, yeah, like that so were recorded and compounded by the fact that you do have those three separate yeah. things that everything goes and it's not even like you know, let's just give the two main characters full voice acting, and then you know all the other characters will just be text or whatever, like every single character you encounter all of their lines are done in fucking voice acting some like racist accents going on in a couple there of is there is yeah so. some of the stuff in like uh, to be fair 
some of the some of a lot of the Indiana Jones movies are a little racist. Also, this so is true. This is true. Yeah, some some of the like North African stereotypes, like the they're the, one of the characters in the Width Path is literally named Paul Abdul. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't. I don't know if I can. Uh, if I'm okay with that one. Um, I don't think. I don't think I can slide, let that one slide anymore. That uh, <laughs> yeah. doesn't work anymore, boys. But while while we're talking about soundy kind of stuff, like I I genuinely do like the music for this game. Again, for its time, it set a nice atmosphere. It's got that kind of like spooky, eerie indie feeling. And yet they also you know do plays on the fucking Raiders March and everything too. And so yeah, there's even some stuff where like some of the eerie, uh, there's hints to some of the eerier bits from the Raiders score mm-hmm. that's like just altered slightly for this game and stuff like that. That I was like, oh, that's cool. Like a nice little shout out, just like a tone shift. That's the same kind of thing. They, but, they use the uh, the iMuse system, which is another one of these like like little sound engines, basically for games that were developed for these LucasArts games, and it's unique in that it's one of the first maybe the first sound system for a game that lets you sort of have consistent sound as you move from one place to another to the point where it will add in like little transitions and if you move to one room it's still the same tune and the same background but like an element will drop in or or drop out kind of thing which i think really helps to make it feel you know less disjointed as you move from one environment to another one space yeah. to another, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but it's something they ape in modern video games a lot, like oh, doing yeah. that kind of like uh, audio transitioning and stuff like that. So, yeah. And that's one of the reasons that I have such an appreciation for these games is because I look back and I realize like how much of what they did, you know, almost thirty years ago at this point is has just become like commonplace in all games these days. Yeah. Speaking while I'm talking about the sound, uh, I just want to give a note for any of our listeners that haven't played this or want to or want to find it, you know, again in a modern form that they can play. It's pretty easy to get. Like the GOG one's pretty good. So. It is. The versions on Steam and the the good old games versions, I don't think they're they're not the best quality soundtrack that's out there because there's a few different versions of the soundtrack of this game. So if you're going to play it, I would suggest that you see if you can find a copy of the CD-ROM files maybe by the method that Mark and I were talking about at the start of this episode. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'll come right out and say, because I don't think LucasArts is going to come after me for it, but I do have a copy I'd be willing to share. Uh, and run it using Scum VM, which is a virtual machine that you can download for free online that uh, is basically like a DOS emulator that will let you load up these games in, in Windows, uh, in any version of Windows. The talkie version is actually an unlockable extra in i think the most recent indiana jones game it wasn't uh, the, the most game. yeah the wii game yeah which you could, staff of kings yes which was also terrible so i was gonna ask did you play that oh yeah absolutely i never, I never bothered it's fucking terrible <laughs> and indiana jones on the cover i was more likely to play it than a star wars game at that point the only the only so. other games indiana jones games besides like these first couple of LucasArts ones that i find even the least bit playable are the lego games yeah, the Lego games are actually pretty good. I like the yeah. Lego games. Uh, I played through those too. Those are like, man, those are 360 era, I think. Like, that's going way back. Oh, yeah. Uh, those I, are yeah, earlier I said that's Wii. The, yeah. the first Wii is when those came out. I think I played them on PC, actually. Yeah. What else? Oh, uh, in term, going back to the visual style, the, the two main characters, Indy and Sophia Hapgood, are those are rotoscoped character models. Mm-hmm. So they actually like filmed live action versions. The live action model that they did for indie was um, Stephen Purcell, who was the creator of Sam and Max. Oh, that's cool. Good for him. So 
a little bit of trivia. And I just, I appreciate the whole, you know, different paths and everything in this game. I even to this day, look back at that as like a pretty interesting and unique little dynamic. Like it's not something that you get to do very often. And it also increases the replayability just, yeah, maybe know what you're getting into with the fist path, but uh, and even before you go on those three different versions, like Mark, you were talking about that doorman puzzle, like it gives you multiple ways to solve certain problems. Like you can just insult them until you get in a fight with them. You can try and charm your way past them or you go up the fire escape. And then the game will actually recommend one of those three paths to you based on how you've dealt with certain puzzles leading up to it. Hmm. So what, what do you remember what it recommended for you? Yeah, I recommended the team one to me because I sweet talk them, and that's what you're supposed to do, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that one, anyway. And like yeah, I said, so I was... for me, it recommended wits because I did the fire escape, and probably one. I think there's one or two other puzzles that they use to kind of gauge your playing style. So I went through like the opening sequence, probably two or three. Like I played this game before in the past. I don't. I feel like I never got past that theater section and was just like, oh yeah, I remember why I hate this. And would just kind of move on. There is, for some reason, I own, I bought at some point a Lucas Arts Adventure point and click collection on Steam. Yeah, and I mu- it must. It was probably with- for Day of the Tentacle. No, well, you know what it was. I think I bought. I was like, I bought a giant pack that had a lot of old Star Wars games in it, and they included those oh, okay. as a bonus. Like it was a uh, good old games package or something like that. That I was just like, I'll max it out, so then I can say I have all those Lucas Arts games. I think I might play them at some point. I hadn't played any of them at that point proper probably in like 10 15 years so i bought them I was like yeah great i've got them i'll never play them until tim made me play day of the tentacle and i realized <laughs> well i'll never play any of them but i'm really happy i have rogue squadron on my pc because rogue yeah. squadron is fucking dope rogue so it's a good game yeah man but yeah so that uh, little dynamic where you have the different paths has always just struck me as, as interesting it also means that if you're playing through it's really hard to remember which of the puzzles show up on which of the the paths oh fair so like for me going through like and there's also cases where you see like artifacts from one of the paths you're like oh i thought i had to do that puzzle but i guess that must have been in fists or team or whatever i've definitely i think i've only played through fists like maybe maybe twice probably only once i don't know how you would get through it it's so like it would just be boring to do because like well there are there there are some puzzles in there that require more like brute forcey kind of stuff Rather than, I mean, it's still a puzzle, but it's like a puzzle that requires you to like, you know, fucking muscle something rather than, you know, just fighting your way through something and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So, but there are in some cases like whole areas that you can still access, but you can't really do anything in. That can also be a frustration because you're like, I feel like I should be able to do something here. But then, yeah, that's actually in this other version of this. Yeah. And that would be especially frustrating in a game like this it really does not at all hold your hand like there's no no there's no hint system there's anything. no like hint system like even like the minimal stuff that like most of the time this is the kind of shit in games that i'll turn off because i find it way too obnoxious but like the slightest bit of a hint system would make this game so much more playable like any of these games are really so much more playable just because yeah. like you have to like i guess it could be fun because you have to kind of make like look at everything you're carrying around and like what's going on in the environment and think very laterally about like what how to proceed and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes the leaps they make are just like illogical yeah, kind of I thing. Do agree. Yeah. So it's like I 
like uh, I don't I'll know. ask you when we get to gripes about like particular examples of that because I have a couple too. Okay. But I, I do agree. For me, I must have played this game at least ten or twelve times in in a very you know one of the versions of it. So many of the puzzles for me are just instinctual at this point. Like they just come back to me, and I'm like, okay, I need to combine this piece and this piece and this piece, and that's how I get whatever it is I need to move forward, kind of thing. But on the same thing, I did also fall into a couple of the same pitfalls that I remember always falling into a couple of the same like impasses. And I eventually realized how to get out of them. But like, if it's to the point where I've played this game 10 or 12 times, and I'm still making those, you know, hitting those walls. That's just bad puzzle design at that point. There's some bad like gameplay design here where like stuff's a little like, like I I think it it mostly has to do with the open endedness of it, right? Where, Where they give you so many options and like, you're in, you have so much shit in your inventory and so yeah, it and like, seems like it should work but what actually works is this thing that you're not really makes sure makes no fucking that, sense yeah. yeah so like yeah. that that's kind of where i get like i find these a little frustrating and stuff like that and like it's it's very like token to these games also you know what i mean like you don't often find nintendo games that are this obtuse right like yeah. so I'm, I'm used to and i guess that's part of my problem with these games is that i was raised on like in video game terms like nintendo and Nintendo's very good at hand-holding level design without making it feel like hand-holding level design, right? Like, they guide you yeah. through the experience without you knowing constantly, that, like, you know, Big Brother's making sure you're following the fucking breadcrumbs that he's leaving for you, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this game leaves you no breadcrumbs and no Big Brother, and you're just left to fucking flounder around for hours trying to figure out what the proper arrangement of three switches is to get a ghost to move (laughs) if that's even what i'm supposed to be doing because i don't know if that's actually what's supposed to happen or not either it just happened to have a positive result which i'm like the ones that was totally instinctual for me like i just remembered from muscle playing it 68 times times it was like okay i remember i have to push up the left one and the right one and that should do it and like it was that was exactly what it was. First try, I got it. But then I remembered, like, holy shit! Like I remember before, you know, the fucking lights started changing colors, and it made no sense. Like, you know, you'd pull one down, and it would turn like the two other lights red or some shit. And- yeah, but like motherfucker, I remember how to throw a fireball in Street Fighter, but it doesn't mean the game shouldn't tell somebody new how to fucking throw a fireball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there should be like a little instruction manual that you can find or something that tells you how to run it. Or it's like, hey, look, this game is like, or at least should just tell you that you should fucking smoke a whack of weed because you're gonna need to do some real fucking outside thinking to get through some of these puzzles. That's part of the charm for them for me is that yeah. it does encourage out-of-the-box thinking. It inter- encourages these games all like encourage exploration and creativity and you know just trying outlandish things kind of thing. And for the most part... That's Far Cry for me now. <laughs> so what do you got to do? We got to infiltrate this camp. I'm like, alright, let's stick some tigers on them first. <laughs> Wait, you can do that in that game? Yeah, sure, man. You could fucking do whatever you want in Far Cry now. <laughs> Six some tigers on them, and then we'll light them on fire. That's creative yeah. gameplay for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> this, like, point-and-click at pixel shit, I'm like, all right, I can kill motherfuckers with tigers in Far Cry now, so... Yeah. I don't know. Either way. Uh-huh. But again, like, probably that's the kind of stuff that, like, comes out of these LucasArts games, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of, like, breadth and scope of, like... That's a PC game trope, right? It's, like, having that flexibility in the system, because I was... I was watching somebody else, like one of the digital foundry things, and they were talking about the difference, especially at the time in the 90s, about like PC game design versus like like console game design. Mm-hmm. And PC game design was always more about like environmental and like physics and like simulating 
an environment whereas like video games are more about like an experience that you're being guided through kind of thing yeah. and like that a lot of that comes from these i guess scum games like these LucasArts adventure games where it was it was kind of like this is the only way we can do a sandbox where we just kind of throw you into an environment and you have to just kind of fucking figure it out and it's super obtuse and like kind of difficult to deal with but there's a lot of tropes and stuff that are in this, these games that originated in these games that have branched out into like everything at this point right like the kind of story like the way progression works or whatever in these games is like in terms of tying it to the narrative or mm-hmm. you know like the kind of puzzle system and like that kind of stuff even dialogue branching like that's probably first one of the first games to do it is pretty early games? yeah at least right. in terms of like dialogue puzzles sort of thing like there yeah. might be you know characters that you can interact with but you know they have like two lines and they just keep repeating them over and over again whereas like in these games it's like you actually have to like you know figure out this other character's motivation and what it is that they're after and how you can encourage them to help you or give you an item or something like that. Yeah. And like, generally speaking, like those are things I like in modern games, but modern games play like modern games as opposed yeah. to, yeah. yeah. What, what this we're doing is still here. early and it's like 1992. Kind of yeah. Thing, so. Yeah. So, but no, I, 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 I always appreciate just the creativity of a lot of the puzzles in these games. The ones that, or one of the sort of little classes of puzzles, I guess, or group of puzzles that I liked in this was one of the ones that you complained about was like the fumbling around in the dark. Like I, there's a few oh my of us that do that. And I think that's an interesting dynamic where when you're mousing over stuff, it's like, you know, big smooth metal thing because like you, that's all you can make out in the dark or like yeah. oh, that's all you can feel kind of thing. But when you're just wandering around at one point, he finds like a rubber hose that he thinks is a snake because all he can see is something green that's like coiled on the ground in front of him and what yeah. that sort of thing. I'm like all that stuff. Like it's interesting because it's like a, a different way of interacting with the environment than you would be used to normally in a game. Also, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. But it's also yeah. just like this is really fucking frustrating. And obtuse. <laughs> I'm just literally just kind of line by lining through this black screen trying to find a like a <laughs> pixel interaction point. Yeah. So that I know what to do next. You know what I mean? Because it's the game's not telling you. Indy's standing out there like a putz, not telling me shit. And I got to <laughs> click on this, some random point in this black screen. I did like the little effects where, like, as you move into the room and spend more time in the room, Indy's eyes adjust a little bit. And I noticed a little that bit. Too. I was like, that's yeah. weird. I really that's like that. That's like low-key like low HDR effects in, like, this 1992 video game. That's cool. I, that's, I appreciate that. That's yeah, neat. just them coding in the fact that, like, as you're in the dark for longer, you can see a little bit better. Yeah. So they start to lighten up the screen a little. And that's yeah. also, I guess that's one of those things that could potentially help you if you're really stuck on a puzzle. You just sit in there for a little longer and you can see a little bit better. And, okay, maybe now I can see that yeah. there's something right in that area kind of thing. Yeah, see, by this point, I was, like, well into my game facts walkthrough. Kind of, like, I'm fucking over <laughs> it. Like, I need to get through this. Yeah. Because I procrastinated for two days playing it. Now I just need to, like, grind it out. <laughs> I did not. The only time that I had to look up a walkthrough in this is, again, something that I've had to in the past. And it's right towards the end of the game. Do you have a guess as to what it is? I mean, the labyrinth sucked. And also, like, getting all the fucking... Freeing Sophia and like the the puzzle. I mean, I literally no, used to walk past for, that. Like, I literally used to walk through for almost every fucking thing <laughs> in this game because it's so like it's just not my. The only thing for me was figuring out the order of the stones to activate the god machine because it's in the journal. It says something about 
the celestial spheres have to be in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. always think every time I play through this game, I always think like, okay, I need to like line up the sun, the full sun and the moon, and like maybe over the mountain or something like that, and that's got to be it. And I try that every time, and it doesn't fucking work. And then I have to look at the fucking walkthrough to be like, oh yeah, there's this like fucking pattern on the back of a wall, like in like just outside that area that you just assume is just fucking part of the background, but it's actually tells you how to configure them. And I'm like, yeah, that's not fucking do it. If at all, you bastards just explaining, you're just describing everything in this game. (laughs) A couple little like parts, like just little segments of the game. I want to call out. I forgot about how it lets you like play through the opening credits. I like that actually as the dynamic because at full screens, there's no text bar or inventory or anything at the bottom. Yeah. Pretty cinematic. Like all the, all the images are full screen. And then, yeah, like as you move from one room to the other, it plays the Raiders March and shows, you know, goes through the next part of the credits or whatever shows you, you know, the main people that made the game and shit like that. I like that as, as, as a stylistic choice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, adopting that cinema kind of style of opening credits has happened a lot in games now. Like, mm-hmm. like play a, even Metro Exodus had like an opening credit sequence, basically, like kind of walking into the game to like that you play through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got that like intro sequence where like there's still credits playing as you're like wandering around and stuff at first. Mm-hmm. It's a little like it, it feels weird the first couple times they do it, but you get used to it. Yeah, it happens in some modern games now. So. Uh, what else? Well, you mentioned that kiss that Sophia and Indy have in the dungeon. Like that felt very Marion Ravenwood to me. It felt uh, like a very indie moment. <laughs> yeah, it's very. Well, I mean, every, almost every indie romance has an element of slap slap kiss to it, right? Like yeah. that's kind of like the trope <laughs> that is most played out in those indie movies, or high, like you know, high intensity environment situation yeah. kind of thing, and every you know, the sexual tension is running high and everything, and then I mean, yeah. like it's Harrison Ford, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's right after the super satisfying moment when you get to like make one of those sentry robots trample a Nazi to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's kind of a prick in this game, but I mean, like, they're Nazis, so fuck them. But it's still, yeah. there's some horrific deaths going on here. So, <laughs> two other things. One, I just love the attention to detail that they put into these games, including the little like running gags and Easter eggs. And these are, again, it's rewarding you for exploring. Uh, like the bulletin board in Balnet, Barnett College, where you can just like read over and over again, and there's like 10 or 15 different postings on there that you can get. Yeah. And one of them is Edward Teller phone home. Little Spielberg reference. Yeah. There's a purple meteor on the shelf in Indy's office, which is a reference to Maniac Mansion. <laughs> they do call out that Indiana is a dog's name. Yeah, I get that joke gets used a lot in the early part of the game in the <laughs> team playthrough too, because yeah. yeah. The painting of the Ark of the Covenant in the Desert Dig site in yes. uh, the, the one near Algiers. Yeah, which you're right. He has not encountered the arc yet so that's a little foreshadow or post foreshadowing he has a line about it too like he says something i can't remember what it is exactly because if you look at the painting he'll say something about it and now i can't remember what it was but it felt i was like wait isn't this supposed to be set before it's almost like he'd already had that adventure and i was like wait what okay i don't know what's going on anymore and then speaking of adventures he hadn't had yet but clearly was aware of because of his because of henry jones senior uh, his line, surely this is not the cup of a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> He's picking up a cup, uh, like a stone cup in Atlantis that he holds lava in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so 
Uh, oh, and there's a little, there's a LucasArts logo that shows up in the labyrinth at Crete in a couple of times too. Yeah. So I always appreciate that they just put that stuff in, you know, they don't have to, it's one of those things that they just put in just for the fans, that kind of thing. And the indie quotient as well, what we, you know, we were talking about how many things from this game sort of ended up becoming just standard in modern games, but like that's trophies and shit, right? It's, it's, it's a percentage a completion score, which games at this point never fucking had so you know it rewarded you for exploring and finding more of the little secrets and easter eggs and going back and finding you know the most creative kind of ways to solve a problem and and not leaving anything kind of undone and it also encourages replayability because uh my final indie quotient quote unquote for the wits path was like 595 and i think even then i missed a couple of points so i think you can get like 603 or something like that but the max you can get is 1000 but you have to play through all three paths to get that fair okay so that's never happening but okay yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know that i'll be going I, I might go back and play just the team's path like at some point because I, I do remember that one being kind of fun all right it's time for gripes because i know you have some was that all that's what i've been doing the whole time i know you have do you griping. have any, any anything else to gripe about no, I mean, like, it, it's a game of its time, right? And, like, it's a game of its time that was not to my taste in its time. So, like, playing it 25-ish years later is not going to do it any favors, probably, for me. Almost 30, yeah. Yeah, almost 30. So, like, and I understand that I'm, like, I'm one of few, right? Like, I'm these are beloved games and stuff like that. They're just not to my taste, obviously. This is the same kind of argument Paul's have been having with me for the same 30 years about Final Fantasy games. Where I'm just like, these are just not to, like, what I like to play. Or like the way I like to play games, so yeah, I just it's just not my thing. Uh, 1992 would have been, you know, Street Fighter, Mar- like Super Mario Four, like Mario World. Yeah. Uh, what else would I have been playing? L- Link to the Past would have been out ish around that time. So like I was definitely like Super Nintendo boy. May have bought a Mega Drive by that or a, a Genesis at that point. Probably not. It would have been a little later when I would have got one. But like that was what was in my head was like 16-bit yeah, console like, gaming, console gaming, and stuff like that. And what I would see on PC that interested me was more like Doom or you know Descent or something like that in that era. Doom was ninety four, wasn't it? Like it was 90, 92, like 93. I'm pretty year, sure man. the first was it not the first one like ninety three. I thought it was ninety three. Mm-hmm. But either way, like that. Uh, yeah, Wolfenstein probably is a better example of it. But like that would be what I would be seeing on PC and being like, oh, that's cool. I want to yeah. if well, I was going to play. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that would have been like more where my head space was uh, in terms of video games at the time. So I don't have a ton of fondness for this. Also, I was on a Mac back in this time. Mm. I didn't have a PC necessary to play this kind of stuff in, and these games didn't get Mac conversions very often. Yeah. So there was also that. And then, uh, yeah, they were they were never something that was like put in front of me like later where I would appreciate them because like my taste in gaming has not changed particularly that much. Like I still like kind of like platformy action stuff. Like, I'm still fucking playing the same Resident Evil games I was playing in 1995. So yeah, and like if you put a Mario game in front of me that plays like it did in like the 80s or 90s i'm pretty at home still so like yeah nothing much has changed fuck i still have street fighter installed on my goddamn playstation (laughs) to this day so and like my favorite game is just a a bigger version of metroid really because control is just a big metroidvania at at its heart kind of thing so those games have not really changed like they've just gotten prettier and fancier kind of thing this the core of them has stayed the same and like yeah i was into that shit back then so like these games like I'm going to directly gripe about them. 
Are there any yeah. of the puzzles in particular that you haven't talked about already that you found like super difficult or super tedious? So like the one I did talk about like on Crete with the fucking stones was like just obnoxious. And then like because it doesn't really like it kind of tells you what to do, but like you have to do it in a very specific order. Or it doesn't work properly. So all of a sudden I've got this X flying off the screen and stuff. And I'm like, am I supposed to follow that? And then you get stuck at the end of the screen. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do at this point. So I got to keep going back and like trying these two things oh, over and over again. With the balloon, finding the yeah. Well, even like the balloon, just flying the balloon sucked. But I mean, it's like, no great controls. Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I'm talking about like at at the Crete site where you like have to push the stones, but like oh, all that right. with the bullhead and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. whole puzzle was just like I tried because like I would go into a space and like just kind of click around to see if I could like maybe piece it together without like going directly to a walkthrough, and I was like. I've been doing this for fucking half an hour and I haven't <laughs> like, I've made no progress whatsoever. And then I read the walkthrough. It's like, no, you got to push the stones, not look at them. And I was like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to figure that out when you've got six of these commands that all kind of do something yeah. to these stones, right? Like do the same thing. Well, and that's, and that's something they ended up simplifying later on. Like, did you play full throttle? No, well, I mean, I may. It's, it's one of those ones or, where, like, I may have loaded it up because it looked more like the new yeah. year looked more interesting to me, and then I started playing it and realized it was one of these fucking games, and was like, nope, no, yeah, Tim's not getting me this time. I haven't met Tim <laughs> yet, but Tim's not getting me this time. Yeah, well, in those one, in some of those later LucasArts adventures, that they... came up for 3DO. I think that may have been why I played it because it was one of the few games that came out for 3DO. My cousin bought a 3DO at one point, like for Need for Speed. He's like, this is the best version of Need for Speed going right now. A year later, the PlayStation came out, and we were like, <laughs> you idiot, you could have waited a year and just bought Ridge Racer. <laughs> Fine, I'm probably your need for speed. We bought but yeah, <laughs> Like, with some of those later ones, like uh, Full Throttle, it was, they simplified the interface, so it was only, like, kind of three commands, and they were more graphical than they were text yeah. kind of thing. So it was, like, one that was, like, a hand, one that was, like, a foot, and one that was talk kind of thing basically that was that was it so they just yeah really tried to simplify yes. that so that it wasn't you know wasn't as like oh i had to pull rather than push or oh, use rather than pull or whatever yeah so like that kind of stuff i'm trying to think the the ma- the labyrinth maze does not really like give you a ton of hints in, in terms of like where you're supposed to go you just kind of got to walk kind of randomly the, the walk actual, from room to room oh the, yeah, like the, the top down the part room. of it yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. the top oh, down, no. like labyrinth, labyrinth, like the circle part where yeah. it doesn't like it doesn't really tell you where to go. You're just kind of randomly going into these rooms that are very palely delineated on the screen. You're like yeah. some of the room rooms, going in. Yeah, some of the rooms once you've been in them do like say, oh, this is the machine room or whatever. But yeah. there are some that you need to go into multiple times and stuff. Multiple times that are just like room, like or that you need to go into and then go into crawl through a vent to get into something else and now those ones aren't labeled right yeah. so like you have to remember which one does what in some cases which can be a little repetitive so like that one sucked even just figuring out where the guy was hiding like in i think it was algiers or monte carlo or something like that where you have to go to the back to get to the fucking shop yeah, yeah, yeah. Like way, like you gotta go, like walk all the way through the screen, walk past the knife guy, walk past the shop, and then click into the background to kind of go into the back. The I was back like, alley. it took me an hour to find that because I was like, where am I supposed to be going? Like, what's? Is, I'm just pointing yeah. at random things. So nope. that was frustrating. Yeah, the oh fuck, goddamn, flying that balloon just that sucked <laughs> for so me, badly. Like, the Algiers one for me, like I said, where you've got to like get a fez and give it to the guy so you can track him through the streets getting that fez is a fucking pain in the ass because there's this 
dude that you have to talk to and it's a whole dialogue tree to convince him to give you his fez and it's not very intuitive mm-hmm. but the fucking part that pisses me off is every time you get you use the wrong dialogue tree he just fucks off back into the streets again and you have to like go back out into the streets and wait for him to go back into the that marketplace and then you have to go into the marketplace at exactly the right time so that you catch him there Ugh. and i had a similar one with the trotier character where like he's wandering in and out of this the front of this hotel and you're trying to get him yeah in. yeah you've got to get and him you, yeah that's so you got to like talk to him and then like you got to do the right dialogue tree to kind of convince him to go up there. And then like, yeah, that turns into a dialogue tree where you got to convince him something else. And that's a mess that I ended up kind of like backtracking, like scut- like safe scumming back to the big point where I could pick to just stay as Indiana and like do that thing with the scare part as opposed to like yeah. remembering dialogue that I watched, listened to frustratedly the night before while I was really baked and. <laughs> was not remembering at that point so yeah, when i i mean playing through these games as a kid like i quickly learned to make a lot of saves sa- save often and <laughs> yeah yeah and like that's something like i learned from like my fps days you know what i mean like that's a doom thing where it's just like oh yeah. shit there's a new area f5 or whatever yeah You're exactly using your hockey. <laughs> this is clearly a boss fight save. yeah i'm about to get <laughs> fucked so like here we go f5 yeah so like there's that kind of stuff and then uh, i'm trying to think if there's anything else like super obtuse where i was like this fucking sucks a lot of the puzzles that had to do with the the wheels like the the stones and stuff like that like getting them lined up and then you're constantly having to go back to the book to Mm -hmm. reference which like what thing is supposed to be where and yeah that's super annoying and all that kind of stuff it doesn't really like it tells you that it's in the book but like you got to kind of read the whole thing to understand exactly what you're supposed to be doing with it and like oh that's (laughs) a little obtuse there's one for me in the not the labyrinth of Atlantis, but the labyrinth at Crete where there's like all the, I don't know how many of the rooms you have to go through in the, uh, the team path, but in wits, yeah, that's another whole fucking like labyrinth or maze of rooms. And you have to make an aura calcum detector out of a yeah. rubber comb. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to make that. You parts of that, that in, in this one, but like, there's also like an elevator and yeah. like yeah. all this shit. And like that's where the fucking uh, octopus is, where you gotta like catch a crab. Uh, it, like that whole sequence. No, that's after, that's in Atlantis. Okay, sorry. That's yeah. that's the like the last point in the game where I remember I was playing it like myself, and I was just like, I fucking hate Tim right now. Like I <laughs> fucking can't stand the thing this with that- shit. Or a calcum detector is that you have to fucking rub the comb with the scarf every time you want to fucking use it and then pull it out. Like, I really wish in there. there I really wish this games. was a video podcast because the fucking hand motion yeah. you just made was pretty incriminating. So it's a shake. It's a shake weight. Uh, it's a shake weight. Yeah, basically. And it, there are sort of similar things in later games where actually I think even in earlier games in Monkey Island 2, there was one where oh, fuck, that's the first Monkey Island game where you would have to like bring take something out and move into one room and then see if it told you to go in a direction and then go that way and i really wish that it would just let you fucking keep that or calcum detector out constantly instead of me having to take it out over and over and over again in each fucking room yeah that's just, this, that's just it's just a like annoying quality of life game mechanic yeah little things that like really make a difference when you're yeah. playing a game yep and, and it, again, quality of life, like there are certain items that you need multiple times and, but it, it, the game will let you leave them somewhere. 
Oh yeah. And so if you leave them one place, then you've got to fucking like go back and get them again. And sometimes you left them like way the fuck back kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was pretty aware of like, Oh yeah. I shouldn't be leaving like the, the stone wheels and stuff like that. Up behind yeah, 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 and shit. Yeah. So I was picking stuff back up and whatever. So I, yeah. And I get real frustrated when it's like, no, you can't pick this back up. And I'm like, man, if I need this fucking thing in like <laughs> exactly. three minutes, I'm going to be super pissed at this game. <laughs> so no, they don't do that. But what I wish they would do is like when Indy's leaving a room, you know, just again, quality of life, like, Oh, I should grab that, you know, just in case I need it again. Kind of thing. Just well, there's a point where the game stops you and it's like, you have to put shit back. Cause I think I tried oh. to leave the room with like the bed sheet and like the flashlight from the hotel room that I'd use to scare the oh, guy. Yeah. And he stops and is like, Oh, I should put this stuff back. And he goes and puts it back before you leave. And I was like, <laughs> like why are you making me fucking sit here and watch him do this? Just leave already. (laughs) Just tell me he did it. And that's all. Yeah. I don't need to fucking watch him do it. (laughs) So, and I know that we talked a lot, like that the voice acting is pretty good, even though the dude that they've got voicing indie doesn't sound that much. Sounds like like Harrison Ford. He kind of sounds like Bill or uh, Bruce Campbell doing Harrison Ford. Like that's what it sounds like to me. Like it kind of sounds like, indie. yeah, Bruce Campbell doing indie, like just a little over the top, a little more fumbly. Like Harrison Ford always takes it seriously. He's never goofy. Whereas yeah. this guy kind of goes into like, that's why I call it the real Ghostbusters versions of, of Indiana Jones. Like it's an offensively family friendly version of, of Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or the Ghostbusters afterlife version of Indiana Jones, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Where it's just a bunch of fucking kids running around doing dumb shit. <laughs> or whatever. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> but also on the voices, like the voice recordings are sometimes really poorly mixed against the music and the sound effects. Oh, yeah, I turn the music like right down because like it's so yeah. like abrasively loud. And, and there are some of the voice tracks that are just either re- not probably not recorded, but just like put in at a level that's way too low. So you can't fucking make out what they're saying on occasion. Yeah. And there's also just some other like little janky bits that british explorer i can't remember his name they definitely switch voice actors for him halfway through his dialogue tree there's like half his dialogue tree is clearly done by one voice actor and oh the guy where you find the deal or whatever yeah yeah uh yeah. no that's that's heimdall that's the the icelandic dude uh no okay might, you maybe you don't meet the english guy in my my path it's either that or i've already repressed this scene no, that, that one's before the split, because before you get the lost dialogue of Plato, it's the dude in the jungle. I'm seriously drawing a blank right now. With the, the elephant nose uh, on the like statue that you make, and you open up a car oh, and it runs off with something. That was fucking annoying, too, that whole fucking bit. <laughs> yeah, that part, I remember that. And yeah, I completely forgot about that part, where you're in at the pyramid, and like, it's like Peru or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's getting yeah. contemple you're in. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. part fucking sucked too. <laughs> and there's a couple other like little things that you could just tell didn't get game tested out, but there's a bug that I noticed and I didn't even play the team path because you can control Sophia at one point when she's trying to talk to that crazy old man who thinks oh, yeah. is and, and if you look at Indiana Jones while you're playing as Sophia she'll say there's nothing to look at, but it's actually an Indy's voice, not in her own voice. That's okay. That's cool. All right. Yeah. They just fucked up. Like, like, so there's clearly like, you know, you can tell that it didn't go through quite as much game testing as it probably should have in the end. I mean, if it feels like it, some, there's parts of it that feel like there was no game testing done. Cause it's just like, Oh yeah, we may, we had an idea and here it is. Yeah. Nobody played this before we put it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, with this one puzzle we put in at the last minute and nobody tested it. So yeah, you're our game fun. testers. 
Oh, I love beta <laughs> testing software. You know what I mean? It's great. All right. Do you have anything else to say before we give this game some scores and peace out? No, I can't believe we did a two hour episode about this horse shit. <laughs> you had a lot to complain about. I did. All right. Give this game a score out of 10 and your final thoughts. Uh, I'll just give it like a five out of 10. Cause like, I don't want to, I got lots of people are going to be pissed and I don't fucking care <laughs> if you're pissed at me. Cause like these games are not my thing. And like, like even it's subjective, right? Like I don't like this kind of game. I playing it. I'm playing it to. I don't even know. Like just because Tim asked me to. I'm trying to be nice here, you know. <laughs> so I played the game because I forgot basically how much I hated the last one we did. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say five out of ten, so that people can be angry that I gave it an average review as opposed to saying <laughs> two out of ten, or like I fucking hate this horse shit and. Hopefully next time Tim asks me to play a LucasArts adventure game, I'll remember and just say no. <laughs> now you can say that you've played this Indiana Jones adventure, which is one of the better ones for whatever that means. Not much to me. Yeah. This is like, I'll give this game a couple of scores and qualify them. I will say this is a 9 out of 10 compared to other games of that time in particular. And that's like, this game got you know, crazy good reviews. Oh yeah. It was a very popular game. It's still hailed as one of the best adventure games of all time, but by modern standards, like even I I do have a lot of nostalgia with for it, but like, I recognize, you know, it doesn't look amazing and there is some jank to it. I'd still give it like an eight out of 10 by modern standards, but that's because this is a genre that I'm really partial to. Yeah, they don't make these games anymore either, right? Like, there isn't really... I guess they're kind of... No, it's there's, like there's a visual out there kind of thing, I guess, that they kind of do that's more this style, but... There, there's still a few people out there that are making, like, classic-style point-and-click kind of games, but not many. Yeah. And, I mean, Telltale, for a long time, was making... Like, they made a whole series of Monkey Island games. This is going back within the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, Sam and Max games. They made a the fucking Homestar Runner games, like all of those were, you know, based on this sort of model. I know I played the Batman game and it just, I hated it so much. I still haven't played that. I, I, I should sometime. I have both of them on PlayStation. I just, oh, oh, <laughs> not my thing, but like it, it still functions well for me as like a classic Indiana Jones adventure. And this is just a, one that I wish would get that special edition treatment that LucasArts gave to like a few of their other classic games. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'd love to see it updated with modern graphics and like remastered sound and, you know, fixing a couple of the quality of lifey kind of things, maybe with like an actual hint system in it for, you know, modern gamers kind of thing. So if you're listening, LucasArts that only kind of exists anymore, do that. Yeah, they don't even make their own games anymore. LucasArts, right? No, like that. Closed, yeah, it closed down like their in-house studio. Unfortunately. Yeah, which sucks because all those great Star Wars games that were made by them just gone. Yeah, well, I mean, Disney owns all this property now because when they bought uh, bought LucasArts, so yeah, but they gave the license to EA for Star Wars, and for like, Star Wars, we've did, seen yeah. how that has turned out so far. Yeah. So, all right, well, we that we can move on to our final segment which is geek cred mark what's your geek cred for this week talking about music last week and i mentioned danko jones his new album came out today actually uh, along with churches so power trios came out today and i actually had a copy of it or like they put it on spotify uh so i could listen to it i haven't heard churches yet i'm very frustrated by my inability to hear that record so far i'll probably talk about it next week more but the danko record is pretty fun i mean it's a danko record so like it is what it says on the tin i guess is what i'm trying to get (laughs) at but it's you know it's a power trio hard rock album and 
it worked for me. So I would I highly recommend it because it's on Spotify. You can just go listen to it. So yeah, that's my geek cred for this week would be Danko Jones' Power Trios. Nice. My geek cred for this week, I've still been watching the Friday the 13th movies. I'm like most of the way through the, the reboot one, uh, which is the last one. I don't understand how your brain works sometimes. Like, I'm just... going to go ahead and recommend <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, was, that movie's fucking fun. Uh, yeah, because uh, unlike uh, all of the other fucking movies, it actually goes back and like tries to explain more about like Jason's origins and his motivations and like why he is the way he is and can't die and shit like that. Shows Jason Voorhees like drowning and sort of his twisted vision of things is like he wouldn't have drowned if the fucking like counselors hadn't all been fucking each other and shit like that. And because like that's what his mother's drilled into his head. And you get Robert Englund just being his usual fucking fantastic, great version of Freddy. I think that's the last time that he played Freddy. It was, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Because I think New Nightmare, or or not New Nightmare, the... uh... The Yeah, the reboot was... uh, Oh, yeah, the reboot uh, was, what's his name? James Earl Haley? Yeah, sure, whatever. Something like that. uh, Got three three names. Sure. Jackie Earl Haley? Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, The guy that played uh, Rorschach. Yeah, he played Rorschach. Yeah, yeah. He played Freddy with, like... An, like an ounce of the fucking charisma that Robert England yeah. <laughs> yeah. had in his hat for those fucking movies. So, yeah. uh, yeah, no, I, I would actually Freddy versus Jason is one of my favorite all time cinema going experiences. Oh, yeah. I, w- I went and saw it opening night with a fucking packed house at like, I think it was at my cineplex actually. Nice. And it was just like a total schlock fest and everybody's screaming and oh, all yeah. this, that, and the other thing. And I felt so bad because I was off that night for the four fucking ushers who had to clean up the theater after we watched that movie. Because <laughs> what a fucking mess that theater was. But yeah, no, that was like, I, yeah, I think that's probably the Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th movie that I remember the most fondly is the crossover. Even though I still think that crossover should have happened 10 years fucking earlier when like people actually <laughs> gave a shit as opposed yeah. to in 1999 when like, you know, the bloom had fallen from the rose at that point on both yeah. franchises pretty significantly. I was more interested at that point when they started talking about it was going to be Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And I was like, yeah. fucking give me that fucking movie. Which ended up being a comic book. It was a comic book. Yeah. Eventually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which was okay. But I mean, it would, I mean, just to watch Robert England and fucking Bruce Campbell one line at each other. Yeah. Oh my wow. God. That would have been amazing. Anyway, they actually, there, the, there were two planned sequels to Indiana Jones and the fate of Atlantis. And both of those ended up as comic books too. Yeah, usually that's what happens to scripts. That, because Dark Horse yeah. had the Indiana Jones license. Well, all the Lucas uh, films. For a little while, yeah. They did. They even did Indiana Jones in the, comics in that 90s. were not great either. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like the Star Wars ones were always like... People always talk fondly about those Dark Horse Star Wars comics from the 90s and stuff. But like the indie books were... Yeah, they were pretty fucking bad. So. Yeah. But Freddy vs. Jason was just one of those movies that knew exactly what it was and oh, gave yeah. the audience just what they fucking wanted. So... Yeah. That's cool. So, Freddy versus Jason, eh? Definitely the best. You've done those movies now? Are we done? I don't have to talk about these again. You're not going to make me watch one of these things this no. year, are you? No, so I'm going to lose my not. fucking mind if I have to watch. <laughs> no, I'll make I'll make you watch Halloween before I make you watch fucking... Didn't we uh, just Friday watch Halloween? No, I made you watch Nightmare on Elm Street last year. Oh, like, that's... Oh, yeah. Or something like that. We but, did, yeah, because Paul was here still for that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... All right, with that, we can finish off this episode. So thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about Indiana Jones games and other shit. If you have any thoughts, if you've played Fate of Atlantis and 
loved it, hated it, whatever, uh, you can tell us what your thoughts are on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can tweet at us at DRN. Should we tell them that like you can't really respond right now? Yeah, because you're fucking jail Facebook. Again, jail so again. I can't. I can't respond on our Facebook right now. I might Mark, if I see Mark it. Might. Yeah, if I see it, I and I will in 30 days because apparently Facebook doesn't like it when you joke about idiots that fucking poison themselves with horse dewormer. I don't know, man. Reddit was having a fucking field day with that story, so God, <laughs> just gotta just just switch fucking platforms, dude. <laughs> it's just one of those. Well, what to Twitter that nobody fucking uses, and is it and fucking cesspool on its own? I said Reddit, which is a cesspool also, but like, yeah, exactly. At least it's got like an entertaining cesspool, unlike Facebook, <laughs> which is just like our parents, you know. So you can tweet at us, and I can still do that at drd <laughs> underscore. I, I'm at drd underscore Tim. Our Twitter for the podcast is drd underscore podcast, and you can tweet at Mark at amulet m underscore willet. Yeah, on Twitter m underscore willet. And I'm on Instagram for art, uh, MT underscore Willette, if you want to look at my pretty, pretty drawings. There you go. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, it's so that you can get new episodes, you can do so on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most places that podcasts we found. If you like the episode, go ahead and share it with a friend, share it on social media, share our social media posts. We would appreciate it. It helps to up our visibility. Find a Lucas Arts fan group and post this episode to it. That... Oh, there are they exist on oh, Facebook. I and I, oh, I'm in them. <laughs> I know. I, I dare you to post this episode so that I get hate. Because <laughs> that's what'll happen. It's like he doesn't like them. Yeah, bastard, burn him. <laughs> sure, just bring it. Just right. bring it. You gotta point and click and find me, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. So with that, Mark, say good night. Good night, everybody. And this is Tim signing off. I don't have a good out this time. Wait, what? This is the first time in 260 plus episodes you don't have an out. What's going I, on? I usually do. Well, you're fired. All right. Podcast <laughs> is done, guys. Woo! 266 episodes. <laughs> what a run. <laughs>